Hey, welcome to episode 11 of the Draft Champions podcast. And boy, do we got a special guest today, John L. of MLB Moving Averages. You can find him on Twitter. And you know, I don't, I'm so excited I even skipped my own introduction in the podcast. So fuck it. Um, he, you can find him at, at MLB Moving AVG. What's up, John? I am so jacked up right now. Oh my God, I'm pumped out of my chair. Zach, we talked for maybe, what, 10 or 15 minutes. I am racing. I am ready to go, kid. I, this is my new favorite podcast. You guys are my new favorite follows. The whole crew, you, Mikey, SP Streamer Mike, the whole crew, man. I love what you guys are doing. Seriously. Thank you so much. And I know, I know Mike Curlin would appreciate that too. You just couldn't make it today. Um, and you know what? I think we're just going to only do um, guests from New York. We're just going to do New Yorkers. Anyone that sounds like they're going to be in the movie Good, Goodfellas sounds like Joe Pesci because we've had Maddie Modica, um, who pronounces Zola Zoller. And um, we got we just had Mike the Mouth. Um, and now we have you. It's just going to be like, I feel like I'm in the movie Casino. I love it. I can't stop. I don't think, I think that's all I'm going to do from now on. Just New York City. Listen, you know, I, I can't help but rep it every time I open my mouth, but I love it. You know, it made me who I am. I'm obviously I'm a I'm a fast talker, man. We're fast talkers. It's all killer. Things. Like I, I don't know. It's all like amazing guests. And like, you know what, this like I you know, I, I do I do have to pause because you were on uh, the Bases Loaded podcast with my co host co host Mike Curlin. And I told him that was I don't want to say my favorite, but it kinda was. It's probably my favorite podcast because you're just so entertaining and the content you had to spew yeah that you were spewing is just so good. So, I don't know. Um, I think well, just, I would say this: my 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 buttocks are firmly powdered. You know, they're <laughs> I'm well powdered and I'm feeling good. I'm massaged up and ready to go. Okay, there's your massage mention. I'm yeah. massaged up, man. I'm looped up and ready to go. Exactly. Well, I don't use, I don't I don't massage below below the belt as much Let's as take off. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you heard from Mike the Mouth because um, <laughs> he doesn't know he doesn't always spit truth. But you know what? Like um, I like to make my guests feel comfortable and I want to have a nice dialogue. But um, I'm glad you're feeling good and you should. Yeah, he was really funny, man. I got big shoes to fill. Those two guests last were, uh, you know, fantastic. And well, yeah, a lot of, really one of my not, not to take away from any of the guests because I've been I've been so lucky to have all the guests from like from Todd to Vlad, and I know I'm missing tons of good people in between. And just for recency blinds, we've had Matt Modica, who was amazing, and then Ooh, he's my Matt, fave, man. Maddie, like, yeah, like I'm getting, I'm getting, we're getting so many compliments, which I never would have expected about. And it's, it's nothing. And, and don't, don't try to butter, don't try to powder my ass. And it has nothing to do with, it's nothing to do with me. It's, you want to all, my it's, all the, it's all the guests. And even Mike the Melt, he said, you know what? It's all, it's all your guests. And it, basically he's, he's powdering himself up. Well, yeah, there was, listen, there was a lot of genius in that podcast. And I, you know, I hope people, uh, you know, hope people recognize it. We could probably get a nice segue right into where we're going. All genius was, and no so analytics. No analytics. He was he was pure he was pure gut. Yeah, and that there was so much to unpack, you know, as far as game theories from people and you know how hard nosed some of the competition is going to be. Right, me and you were talking about this before beforehand. That listen, a, a man like that is going to go and show you that you're not going to force your will on the field. You know, so fantasy baseball. You know, it's funny, I have the moving averages moniker because of my background in trading, and they really, they overlap in, in so many different ways. And one, one of the major ways is, is humility, you know, and you can't force a market that large. So, you know, you have to approach those two things in the same way, and guys like that kind of let you know. You know, he doesn't care about your analytics. He doesn't care about your rankings. He has a guy 
he's going to get him. He has a spot. He wants him. And, and that's it. So people like that really force your own versatility, you know, and I, I appreciate that about the, about the competition. And what I, what I took from him, him as well is you do, you do learn from experience. So he's, he's talking about Stanton and how he's getting injured and you're thinking, ah, screw that. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But no, you, you learn that you have a feel for those things playing year after year after, after year, like conversely, like you have a feel for who's going to be this year's Chris Paddock. Like you get the other gut feel who's going to break out and who's going to, who's going to let you down again. And it's not, not everything lies within the stats. And I think, I think the stats are great. And I know you think the stats are amazing too, to look at, but I think it's not, you can't only look at that. I think that there's, there's something that you can't, there's an intangible in the experience that Mike the mouth brings. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if we're going to, if I could just expand on that, um, especially when it comes to pitching. Because, again, I do come across as a stack guy. I love him. I'm submerged. I'm always learning and trying to push them and combine them and create new things, always. That being said, especially for pitching, man, I, I want to watch it. I want to watch it. You know, he's giving you, you know, let's use 100 as a round number nowadays. He's giving you 100 samples in, in one viewing where it's very difficult to see a hitter get 100 pitches. No, could be – man, 20-something at bats just in real time. It could take you know, three weeks to do that, two and a half weeks, plus did you actually catch every single one? So I feel like hitting, it's easier for me to fill in those gaps with statistics where pitching and Matt um, Modica stressed this, and I am behind this a 1,000%. I want to see the guy that's on offense, man. Give me the guy that's on the bump. He's on offense. He's aggressive. He's making his pitches. He's not wasting time. He's up there and he's striking guys out, you know, Big surprise, I like that. But it really is the truth. I know it kind of sounds intuitive, but you can't box score analyze pitching, in, in, in my opinion, Zach. I agree with you. and I agree with you in a lot of senses. Not, I, think the, I think the stats are valuable and sometimes more valuable in some stages. But a perfect example was I was on, again, Mike's show, and we were talking to SP Streamer, the other Mike, and we were going through our start, starting pitcher ranks. And I had Chris Paddock. This was back in October. I had Chris Paddock ridiculously high. Um, in, in my rankings, I think I had him 11th overall uh, coming into this year. That's and high. Yeah. That's high. And yeah, they're like, well, what? They're like, what's what's wrong with you? Like, we like they're citing all these stats. He's got two pitches. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, look, I watched a lot of his games, and my backup for it is just looking at the intangibles and looking at that, looking at how he goes about, and he just dominates certain games. Yeah, the stats may say something different, but just the the eye test. And SP Streamer's response is like, I like how you backed it up because you're not trying to use that. You're just, you're just saying it's, it's something that's intangible. Right. It's your personal process. And that's important, you know, for everybody to not copy anyone else's, you know, uh, the best analyst out there doesn't get them all right. You know, the, like the hitters themselves, we usually miss more than we hit at, at times. So it, it, it's fine. Um, I didn't mean to dismiss if I came off, like I was dismissive of stats or pitching. I didn't mean to be at all. Um, when it comes to that, I like more like, you know, things that would probably translate into something that's like a tangible change, like pitch mixes and things like that. Also, you know, from handicapping, and I always have the microscope out, I'm big on statement games and it changes. You know, I don't want to go off a sick tangent, but, you know, I thought Thor was like that. He had a really bumpy, bumpy start. He came out, he threw nine innings, and if after that, he was kind of like a different pitcher. I know, you know, he had some problems gripping the slider, but if you track that slider usage, I think it explains it, and I think, you know, that was it for Thor. Now you have people kind of overly examining, just trying to pick apart exactly what happened when I think maybe they're missing a bit of the human element 
where, you know, he struggled maybe with the ball, maybe with the weather. Then he kind of corrected, and I think we got what we thought we were going to get. I think I think uh, for some people it's the injury concern with him as well. That's I think. Well, they, listen, then that's that's serious also, and that's very valid. But I haven't seen much of that. I've seen more people trying to decipher the objective mystery, you know, behind what happened when it was a human being, man. The guy's out with hot women at night sometimes. Who knows? You know, he's a human being. He has a real life, and he has real stresses and things that pump him up and things that knock him down. And I, you know, I. I feel like we do it a disservice by just trying to objectify and put a number on that sometimes. Hey, John, he's a head case. You heard Mike, right? Well, listen, and, and that may be that that may be right, and you may use that to explain versatility in volatility, I should say, in his stats. And that's that's fine. Like to me, that's an answer that like you were saying, Mike said, that's fine. We validating something and you know, that's how you're gonna approach he's, it. That's he's talking about him like he's like Antonio Brown. <laughs> well, yeah, I would not go that far at, at all. I don't think I don't Listen, if you want to tell me there's a slight nudge up or down for a way that you think he's approaching the game, I might even push against that. I wouldn't make any major changes based on attitude from a guy who's out there, you know, dominating the points. Like, it just happens. I hate to, you know, simplify it, oversimplify it sometimes. But listen, it just happens, you know. And, and until we really zero in on something we might get from robot ons, listen, no one is sitting and keeping stats of what happened after he got robbed of a strike three with two outs and then he gave up a three-run homer. If you – you know, there's so many variables. There's so many variables. I, I try not to assume to know exactly what's going on or how to predict what is going to happen. Great. So do you want to get into uh, portfolio building? Because I know. Yeah. Yeah. Really, listen, we, that's, we, we, that's, that's where I'm at, man. That's so really, that's the name of my game. Tell everyone what games you're playing, what sites you're on. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, for starters, I mean, I, I think my first piece of advice is check everywhere. You know, check everywhere. Rules are different. It's almost like getting a different price on betting a game. You know, you want to get take advantage of it. You might be better at points. You know, you might be better at well, Roto. You might like contests with it overall because you like to shoot for the stars. I mean, and that's up to you. I can, I'm can. i going to just explain my kind of process and how I approach it. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, then, then maybe people can try and apply, you know, their own methodology there. So, for me, <laughs> a dirt, dirt, I'm trying to maximize profit. Listen, as much fun as I have, I love the draft boards. I love all the horns. I love the airplane chime, like the uh, stewardess is about to start talking on NPC boards, man. I love it all. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to get paid. So I'm going to give you how my portfolio is built from the beginning, okay? The World Series happens, and now that we're in a 12-month game, listen, people are playing around the clock, right? It's a 12-month game now. For sure, best balls are starting immediately. Why did I mention best ball? Because for me, it not only provides the optimum payout opportunity, Fantrax right now is offering offering 50-50 payouts on best ball leagues that have zero in-season management. So right here, this checks a lot of boxes for me immediately after the World Series. One, I'm getting live cash exposed, which is always a positive. I'm sorry to people inviting me for mock drafts. Listen, right now, we're too close to the season. My time is a little too valuable. I really can't mock with you, and I apologize. You know, if you want to hop in a best ball, listen, let, let's play. I, but I, I got to be putting my money where my time is right now. Okay? 100%. I I'm the same way. I don't, I don't want to mock either. Right. Well, and then again, I don't mean to demean it. So I don't want anyone to take things that I don't do as something that's not worthwhile. Everyone has to find their own groove, you know, get your swing down. For me, listen, I just wrapped up betting before the playoffs started. 
and I picked up the fantasy season right after. So I stay sharp. This is something that Mike was talking about last episode that, listen, I could not agree with more. Listen, I just had to drop football. It gets in the way. Now that baseball is going from January to December, there's no point in me trying to squeeze out pennies on games where there's so many millions of eyes breaking something down for seven days. It's very hard to gain an edge there. Give me baseball. People are not really paying attention in November. And I noticed that. And listen, not to pat, pat myself on the back, but if you want proof of this, you can really dig through my Twitter feed all the way back to November. The guys that I put out as values are 75, 100. Picks higher now than they were when I posted it. You know, and that's a fact. It's timestamped. You can push back on it. All you want fact is fact. So I'm getting my money live, and now I'm pooling my edge because I never stopped sharpening my tools. Now I'm in this game, and not only now am I staying sharp, but like I said, it's a 50-50 payout with such a limited data set given – you know, you have all this offseason. There's trades and injuries and drops and, you know, what have you. Um, you want to account for all those things. It's very difficult, especially in games that have an overall component, in my opinion, to try and predict that. So where you've had guests in the past talk about how, you know, if you want to be talking about how you play, you've got to be, have this many. You know, Zach, all the power to you. You have a dozen or so draft champions. I'm probably going to catch up to you by the end. I don't have it right now, but that doesn't mean I'm not a serious player. So you know, we'll hopefully we'll get back to how money does not translate directly into how serious you are about it. There is no like nominal value on what makes a good player. But to go back to the portfolio build, right? So it's live cash, my sharpened tools, and I have a, a, a uh, ideal payout, in my opinion. Listen, top half. At the end of the day, if you're not confident in getting into the top half, I got news for you. You don't belong in the water. Man, I got my hand. I'm going to break my neck, reaching over my back, patting myself. But I'm a shark, man. And I know I'm sharp money. I know I'm sharp money. That's why I use different names. I don't put MLB moving averages because I've had people tweet me and say, oh, I saw what you did there. And I'm going to model after you. So, you know, as analysts, I have to protect myself too. Unless you're paying my bills, guess what? Sorry to be cold. I really don't care. You know, I share what I share and I really share a lot because I'm kind of a philanthropist. I love to give. I'm all about people. I love the community. Man, I'm, I'm such a mush. I really am. But that don't mean that you could poke me because I, I'm going to punch you back. You know, that that's always how it's been with me to go back to how hard-nosed the competition is. You know, I'm really the nicest guy you're going to meet, but I have every intention of winning. Okay. And I mean to win fair, but I have every intention of winning. So my portfolio now, we're in the like the early stages of winter as we're in November, in December, as we hit the new year, and I'm seeing if my predictions are paying off. So this year they in fact did almost across the board. Guys that I was highlighting, like I said, are, are, are multiple rounds higher. Now I have the confidence I jump into, I start moving my way into draft champions. Okay, so we could probably stop there because I guess that's where we are now where I'm kind of meshing the two. I love this best ball stuff so much that I am moving pieces of my, you know, actual family income structure into this, which, I mean, if we want to open up the microscope and get a little bit more of a telescope, this is really important stuff and pertinent information for people to apply in their real life. You know, I don't think fantasy baseball is just a joke and it, you know, it has no real life application. It certainly does. This type of portfolio building it, it is paramount in building your own financial structure. Like if you wonder why people have the money, why do I have the money to be able to, to do all these things? I could, I can sink five digits worth of, you know, money into just preseason fantasy baseball. Why am I able to do that? I don't have a silver spoon. I come from nothing. I come from zero. I come from blood and sweat and tears and brains and working when other people are sleeping. Okay. That was my key. That's how I go and get it. So I, you know, they just can't be, 
man, it really just can't be any, any quit when you develop your, your process. And I try and develop and shape my own income after that of like a nation where you begin to tier assets and weigh their risk with how much money you put into them. So as I, in my kind of circuitous elliptical way, getting back to my original point, I've shifted that money because I've determined value where I'm really making a beautiful payment on it. You know, you can't get a a hundred percent return on, on anything nowadays, you know, interest pays you a percent of a percent with the safety that I feel in these leagues. That's where the majority of my money is going. So I'm only just phasing into DCs now where I feel the data set, uh, more importantly, more specifically, I should say the reliever information is becoming more complete, you know, although that's kind of been the sleepiest part of this off season, you know, knowing where, relievers and closing is going to be where those saves are going to be really, in my opinion, determines it overall. So I felt like in my own experience, my draft champions teams are better, closer to opening day, even though a lot of people think like, Oh, the best deals are before. Yeah, it's true. But I, it's hard to do it without that one category. Well, you've, you've hit on a lot of good parts. I think you've hit on a lot of good points here. And that one, that, that, that's one of the points that, um, that I want to talk about in, in, I, in the comparison of fantasy baseball to the stock market. So I think you're saying, you're you're saying the same thing that I think. I think every player is like a stock and you want to buy low, you want to buy low on these stocks and you want to reap reap the the profits when they, when they increase. Now, I think drafting early, you have a better chance of getting the, of buying low because I think as the season goes on, I think you're saying, you're saying what we're thinking these, there still is room for profit. There is still like you're saying oh, these players have moved up the players that I was on, but guess what? I have other players where I still think there's room for, for profit here. So that's what, that's one thing. And, um, and I, and that's one thing. That's one reason I like to get into the draft champions early. And um, I didn't get into the best balls like you're saying, but you're, I, sh- I really thought about it and you should. And um, the, the one, the one thing that you said is another thing you said was, you don't want anything don't want anything more to do with football and football like 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 the stock market a lot of the information is already public you want you want to be able to grind for more information that the public doesn't have and that's where you build your competitive advantage um and um those best balls the other the, the third point is the best balls i think those are a lot like like i invest in the stock market too and i like to invest in 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 stocks that have a high yield, have a high dividend yield, and are safe over the long term, like a bank. And I think I think you can compare those best balls to like bank stocks because, yeah, like you're gonna twelve people enter, hundred bucks a piece, and the rake is a hundred bucks. So you're no, it's very low. It's only fifty bucks. Is it fifty? So that it's, yeah, okay. The top five players double up. The sixth player gets their money back. So to me, it's the best. I can't believe what the thousand. Yeah, so it's eleven out of twelve. I jammed in eleven, I eleven out of twelve of the entries are paid out, right? Well, 11 and a half. Oh, 11 and a half. That's even better. So it's, it's a very, I think those are, those are very low risk contests. Wait, wait, wait. Did I get that right? Wait, it's a, right. Well, there's, there's 1200 pot. They pay out. Five, oh no, 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 no. I'm sorry. They pay out 1050. Right. You're right. Yeah. I think it's, I think uh, it's like 90, 90, 91% on, if you're talking fan tracks and I'm thinking like, if, if, if you're if you're if you're placing first, second, third in these roto championships or in these roto roto leagues, then this is a walk in the park, right? Dude, not only I mean, listen, I, here I am. I'm gonna you know I'm peeling off my I'm peeling off the 
the velvet glove to expose the the iron fist, you know. But uh, it's you you, you it, man, I'm I'm stumbling because it's like easy money. I just didn't want to say that. That's like the ultimate malloy. I just shouldn't have done it. But but it's it, like you say when you compare the two things, trying to finish first in a best ball league is a totally different pathway than trying to finish fifth. I don't aim to finish first in any of these leagues. I aim to finish like third or fourth. So what you're taking like prospects and guys that may not see the field and backup relievers, give me steady innings. And, you know, if we want to, if I want to give one nice nugget, when you're focusing on best ball for those not familiar, right? It's a points league. Like I said, it's zero in season management. The computer, you know, calculates the highest score at each position plus three U's and nine pitchers to create your score for the week. Okay. That being said, you get all of the good, you know, starts or games, you get none of the bad ones. There are no, you know, you're not penalized. You just don't count those scores unless you had enough guys that were terrible. What I'm getting at is players that are extremely streaky become more valuable in, um, in this format. And if I could tease something I have coming out next week, I have a, I have a new uh, stat metric for pitching coming out next week that I'm really excited about that will kind of highlight this a little bit more. Um, guys that give us really great starts. You know, because, uh, again, we lose that in the box score analysis and especially in the player card analysis, you know, looking at last year's stats. You know, a guy that can give you eight innings and no runs, but then melts down a bunch of other times. In those best ball leagues, those four, let's say, games where he's going to go seven or eight with oh, zero or one run and K ten people, those are tremendous in helping you get to the to the end goal, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's like um... – I was looking at I was looking at that when I was comparing uh, a couple pitchers if um, a couple months ago and I called it a uh, I didn't I didn't do the full analysis of like every pitcher but I I called it a super quality start so it's either um, I had a criteria I just made this up I'd say anyone that pitches a s- six innings and no runs or um, um, six or or five or more innings with um, so it either had to do a, a no runs in at least six innings or Five innings and more with less like a qual, uh, three runs or less and more than ten strikeouts or any. Oh, um, and case is very and case is very interesting. Like I said, I, I you should hold that thought. In one week, I'm going to give you something beautiful to build on. I, I promise you. Okay, I promise you. My okay, promise we'll hold off on that. We'll talk again. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Listen, you won't be able to miss it. It's gonna it's gonna hit you like a ton of bricks, man. Like I said, I am so excited. I have a, I have a huge release coming in about a week that is totally classified right now and i just like out of my pants waiting to get it out man if you can't tell but um so let, let I, I, I want to ask you sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. i just wanted to ask you more about um talk about the about um portfolio building more and this is this is what i'm worried so myself um for baseball i i played in a lot of uh yahoo leagues last year i went on the i went on roto world forums and i found every single auction league i could find fifty dollars hundred dollars bought into it daily transactions i was in fucking 30 of these by the end of the year and I did great. Um, so I, I'm able to invest my I, thousands of dollars to reinvest now. Um, and I did, I did, I didn't do well in 2018. Um, but I did well in 2000. So two, I did well in 2017. So two of the last three years I've done very well in these Yahoo leagues, um, and a couple of fan tracks leagues. So I've got some money to invest. Now I'm going to these DCs, um, in, um, at the NFBC, I'm doing some roto uh, wire online championships. My worry is the payouts now. The payouts, I'm, I'm, all these leagues are run through League Safe, which is all 
but you didn't know, I didn't know the commissioners of all the leagues, but it was your, your money was still safe in league safe, league safe, which is, um, which is what the NFBC uses as well. So the only thing is there's no rake last year. Now there's a rake, but, but there's also an overall prize. So can you talk about that at all? Because I'm, well, I'm yeah, I've, I, I've been in 10 leagues at NFB, at NFBC league. So if you play one league, so let me, sorry, I know I'm being a bit long winded, but take it. Let's say you play, you play in one NFBC DC league, one draft champions league. If you lose, if you, you're putting in $150, if you lose, doesn't it's, you're, you're, the, you're the same, you're at the same place either way, because the rate, it doesn't matter about the rate because you're not getting any fucking money anyways. But the, 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 the issue comes when you play like 10 of them. So you're not, you're not going to, you're hopefully going to win some and not others. So that's when the, I guess the, the payouts um, really impact you. Well, it's, it's definitely important to do all of the legwork. And in fact, you know, I, a lot of times I do this really thorough work and I just run through so much stuff that I kind of forget some of the details. Okay. As per the NFBC, I love draft champions. Um, as far as looking at it as, as an investment, like I understand, listen, rakes can bother you, but you know, just let's talk values in return. Um, it's not terrible. You know, at a buck fifty, now they pay a thousand. Is it a thousand to first three fifty second money back first and the money back third? Is that correct? I believe that's correct. Okay, I, I think that's what it is. Don't hold me to it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's it. Okay, all those are pretty good. I mean, like in reality, if you could take on five of those, drop you know seven fifty, and if you hit, hit win one first, you made a twenty five percent return. Listen, that's pretty good considering the game. Like I was referring to basketball. Now, draft champions, you draft all your players. You do set lineups. Now, which is an element of work. So, Zach, I, I don't even know how to comprehend the workload that you just, like, asserted on us is baffling and befuddling and all types of other words that mean confused. My tongue is hanging out of my mouth. Like, to do daily trans. I mean, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Because if you were able to do that many leagues – and be profitable. My first thing is, man, if it ain't broke, especially when you're talking about nice money, don't fix it. I would say to you, if you think you'd be even better with more attention put on single leagues, then maybe you need to shrink it down and get into the big boys because if you're cashing, you know, there's something there, you know. But I did notice you said auction. So, so a sharp like you is going to be able to take advantage of people in an auction, which is not like a snake draft where every idiot gets their opportunity. You can walk into a snake draft, uh, an auction, I'm sorry, and just wipe the floor with these rooms. So I understand where you could have a decided edge that you might lose if you upped going from 50 to let's say 500 or 1,000. So your particular situation, I think if you're making money and it's good money, man, I wouldn't mess with it. Maybe cut it in half and you move a few up to 100. For the people talking about these off-season leagues, Man, I thought it was a lot of work even managing draft champions. I guess I put a lot of work into all my stuff. Remember, NFBC, you change lineups on Monday and hit us again on Friday. So, you know, you really want to make sure you're capitalizing on those guys in cores, let's say, or guys in Camden or whatever the case may be, you know, that you're maximizing all the, all the about because, remember, hard-nosed players, they're at full competition level. Just because you're asleep at the switch doesn't mean everyone else is. Other people are working while you're asleep. That's a great mantra. You know, you don't ever stay the same from day to day. You either get better or you get worse. It may be negligible, but the meter always moves. You never stay the same. If you didn't improve, the assumption, for me at least, is that you got worse, right? So I make sure that I don't 
take on too much of a workload where it could cost me all of my profits. You know, so I'd always rather kind of inch into the water and me, I, whatever, I'm a little more comfortable playing higher entry things. Like I said, I mean, I, I put at least six figures worth of bets on baseball last year. I was doing some of the math because I think like Mike, <laughs> Mike last week kind of, kind of, he, he uppercutted me a little bit. He's talking about, you know, uh, if you're not putting 5,000 to 10,000 in, you know, you're not really hanging with the big boys. I'm like, Dan, I'm not really doing that in fantasy because the people who are doing that are excellent. I don't feel like I have an edge over these guys. My money is not in a safe place. Yeah, all the allure and, you know, the, the trophy and the, what have you on the internet. You're the coolest guy in the Twitterverse for a little bit. It doesn't mean that much to me, man. I got kids to feed and I pay them on baseball. You know, like that's, that's how the food gets on the table. So I really can't be chasing dreams when I'm filling wallets, you know, in pantries and stuff. So my advice to people, I know I'm always kind of tangenting, but it's always really important. If I can give you one really good analogy to go on top of all these other ones. Was this just one big tangent? Have we just done like a tangent for half an hour? Yeah, exactly. Let me take you back. Let me take you back real quick to the gong show, all right? Remember the guy in the gong show? He used to spin plates on sticks and he'd have like 14 of these things going at once. That's how you have to be to be a great, you know, analyst. As you have to keep things spinning, you have to move over to other ones, but before that one is done and falls off, you make sure you get back to it. So if you're gonna follow me in, from my opinion, if you're gonna be great at always combining so many different objective and subjective information sets that cross from real world into fantasy, you know, you always have to be juggling balls. So I don't mean to be taking you on all these, you know, trails, but I do assure you they always lead to the common path of profitability. You know, so when you ask me how I build and we're talking about different contests, listen, I read the rules for online uh, cut line. Yo, don't you only double your money if you win that league? I'm sorry. I have nothing but love for the NFBC. You're not getting me in that league. It's not happening. Not at all. So explain the math behind that. For... Well, I, no, I, I honestly, well, why the math of why I wouldn't yeah. join a league that only doubles your money for defeating 12 people is right there. You know, your odds of beating 12 people, even if you're sharp. Aren't yeah, but there must be. The, the cut lines, you know what? I haven't played those either um, yet. Forgive me. So the, what, the pay, you get, you get um, double your money if you beat 12 people. And then yeah, I think first place is three. Must be there might be a little bit more. There, must be, there must be an overall though. Yes. Yeah. But, but you got to be realistic. You're talking about thousands of people, you know, and it, like why would you put a buck 50 to win 350 with a higher overall? And give me, give me the lower overall and the overall championship which probably also means that my spectrum of players that I'm on hit. So probably if I want an overall, I probably have half of my draft champions teams in the money. Anyway, it's going to be a huge year. You know, if I, I'll always, that's what I, I push back on people when they tell me about, you know, uh, um, capital gains taxes and stuff. You're complaining about winning. Go win first and then complain about the taxes. Losers complain about to, taxes they have earned. Move to Canada. There's no tax on, on Well, I, I'm, I love a good moose every once in a while <laughs> in my backyard, right? Yeah, there's, there's beavers too. So hold on. So, so that, that's cut line, which I do not like. Uh, now, you said that you played on my championship. I should be able to put you on a spot. You should be able to tell me what the payouts are, right? Because you're in. Yes, I should. Um, I believe but you can't. I believe there's like around 80%. See, but now, Zach, I, I have so much love for you. And I, I don't mean to make an example of you. I make myself an example all the time. You know, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm wrong constantly. You know, I'm wrong constantly. Go ahead. I, because but, I, yeah, but I entered a contest. You've got to have full control of, of, these, of these numbers because they're in play. Now, if you don't already know, like the reason I'm saying that you should know is because 
you should have already have planned how many of these you're going to do or approximately how many you're going to do and what your expectation for return is, you know, and it's not to pick on you because listen, uh, you, whatever, you have a better chance of winning the overall than me, perhaps, you know, you have a better chance certainly in the leagues I didn't play, but that doesn't mean that it's a good place for your money. I'm much more comfortable than you have to defeat 12 people to double your money for an overall. I have to defeat six people to double my money without an overall. And you know what? Getting paid plus 100 on a top five, dude, that's beautiful. And you know what? For anyone out there that fell into the trap, this is, I'm glad we I came around to this again, that the trail again led here. Do not whatsoever buy into this conception of dollars equating quality of the player. It means nothing. It means nothing. Modico, who is recognized widely as one of the most successful fantasy players, told you himself that he built himself up into the position. Do the same thing. These best ball leagues start at $10. Man, I, I don't mean to have a pick on anybody. But if you cannot muster enough to play a portfolio of $10 leagues, then your next year should be spent saving and then get into it. You know, there's always next year, there's always next season. Don't overextend. You never bet the rent money because another problem that people make when they're trying to build their brand, let's call it, as far as, you know, fantasy baseball goes, yeah, I'm not in the main event this year. Uh, I, I probably will be as my bankroll builds into a spot where that hits the percentage, you know, goal for what I'm, going to risk on that much work. Also, if you're going to play the main event, listen, you're probably going to make that your main focus because again, you know, that's the preeminent baseball challenge. And that is what kind of got me during that whole NFBC argument was, listen, you could not make the World Series of Poker, which you brought up. That's a great analogy. That's the preeminent contest. They have the bracelet. Like it or not, go cry to your mommy if you don't like it. Sorry, Charlie. You know, that's, that's a fact. NFBC is a gold standard. You can be great without playing in it, you cannot be great while playing it. You don't have to also play points. You may also play points. Personally, my home league is a points league because Sunday, the adrenaline is crazy. Man, Roto can be like watching paint dry in April. Not in hand-to-hand -hand points. Every Sunday night is meaningful. Man, sometimes it comes down to that last game. It's a lot of fun. And it's reminiscent of playing fantasy football, you know, my the days of yore. Well, I'm, I'm glad Mike wasn't here to because he wouldn't get a fucking word in like today. Because uh, because we're just going on rants. So, you know, normally he's normally he's very talkative, and on these podcasts he doesn't get to talk as much. So he wouldn't he wouldn't be talking at all. So he's lucky he didn't come. But that, I, I kind of do that, and I don't I don't I don't mean to, but no, it's, it's, it's good. Just, it's all from it's all from love. I hope everybody knows. I really you, I'm always straddling that line of you know confident, very confident without being arrogant. And admittedly, sometimes you do step over, but I do know I'm a butthole at times, if that matters. You know, oh, you're, you're, you know what, if, if you think that, you, you're, you've got a great act to follow. You have a great act to follow. Yeah, I mean, listen, being being humble, I said that in the very beginning, it's, it's really important, you know. I honestly, I go into every draft room thinking I'm the dumbest guy and I have to be the sharpest, which is why I never understood people's inabilities to perform um, drafts. Uh, for me, it's very simple. No, uh, my, uh, John, don't change, don't change. Um, I just, you know, what, the, the back to your point in the rotowire online. I don't know. I, I don't even know what the payback's going to be because it, the thing that I've, I've said this before, the thing with the, the ones with the overall prizes, it, your, your ROI, your return on investment is not determined until you know how many leagues there are. Wait, is the overall progressive? I was afraid. I don't I think so. It, it, the, the overall set, it's set. So I think in these rotowire online, the big, 
if you're not go, if you're if you're playing these things and you're and you're playing the rotor wire online championships to win your league, you're doing it wrong because you because if you if you are, you might as well play other leagues. This you want to you want to play these to win the overall. You want to can I just just to put you on the spot? I, that's what your guests have been doing doing lately, right? Um, just to put you on the spot, give me one reason why I would want to play that instead of Draft Champions, which has a, a nice payout. Like I said, I could, you know, get a half a dozen games in and still profit by just winning once and have six shots at the overall compared to what you're talking about. Okay, well, I'll give, I'll give you I'll give you the cop-out reason. The cop-out reason is because the overall prize is more. It's $125,000 if you win the overall. There's more. There's more. Uh, I mean, listen, man, Pipe Dreams... I'm not saying you can't do it, but realistically, you're talking about being the best out of thousands of people. I, I yeah. just don't see that. Yeah, it's a lottery ticket. And the, I guess the other reason is because uh, I think I heard there's some, I just found out there's a bonus if you win the Rotowire and the VCs, I think. So I think you get an extra 75 grand if you, if you. Well, it, that's all, listen, that's all wonderful. I love thousands of dollars. You know, I love, I love dollars in thousands increments, but like, that's just not enough to get me where, listen, man, like I said, I, I view my brand as a, uh, of small business. You know, when the business is profitable, like if you were, had Zach's Canadian widget store, you know, and people started decorating moose antlers with Canadian widgets and you were real popular all of a sudden, you wouldn't. Oh, yeah, that's, been, that's been done. They have that store. See, yeah, every time you think you have, every time I think I have the million dollar idea, A, I've been, I, somebody beat oh, me. That's, that's already a franchise here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach and John's Canadian uh, international moose widgets. All right, back. See, I gotta get, I gotta get serious. So, so I'll put you back. I'll put you back on the spot, though. So if, if you're, I get, I get it. You're like uh, all these, all these contests with the overall. It's a nice pipe dream, but really, you want, you want the consistent payout. You want to do the math and get the payouts that's that, that are realistic. So if in the rotowire, there's, I, I looked it up. It's, uh, it's, um, the payouts are fourteen hundred for first and seven hundred for second. And that's that's fifty percent of your money back in the rest. That's three fifty. That's a three fifty entry. Three fifty entry. So okay. it's it's the payouts in the individual league is fifty percent, but there's big money in the overall. If you go to the DCs, the ones that we're playing, the one that we're playing together, the pay the payout for the individual league is sixty six point six seven percent. Yeah, see, right, right. So two thirds rest goes into the overall. See, for me, that's but if you, but if you look in your, but if you look if yeah, there's a disparity there. But if you go further and you look in the DC auction championships, um, um, I don't know if I've said exact. I don't know if I've termed it exactly correctly, but it's an 80% payout because there, there is no overall prize. It's the auctions with the no overall prize. And I get sometimes some people don't do auctions. I do. So if, if you, going along your theory, that's your best chance. So I'm going to ask yeah, you, listen, right, why, right, why right are you, why are you doing the DCs? We're just collectively hammering home the point. I think why you need to be in your, um, you know, lane and your own, your own process and your own bankroll determining it. Um, for you, Zach, I've, I've been trolling the 150 waters um, for, for this season, you know, and I've been told I'm kind of overly patient. I'm going to make that next jump um, next season for sure. But again, as my confidence kind of grows and depending on the bankroll, you know, I may find myself there closer to the spring. You know, so like I say, my, my portfolio is set, but that doesn't mean that I don't go back and reassess and I may adapt a new written plan, you know, to evolve with the time or like confidence and stuff, you know, so I really may, I may, I may end up in that because I didn't know, but that goes to show, you know, I wouldn't, but I also wouldn't play because I don't know, you know, where I feel like 
you kind of said you played, but you didn't know. And it's not, it's just a lot of people do that. I think people, listen, people sign up for these leagues and they don't read the rules. So like, if I go back to best ball um, and it shows because the Fantrax best ball leagues, which I think are fantastic. They have a couple rule. There's a couple of hitches to it that people don't realize sometimes until after. And I see them complain constantly in the chat logs during the draft or towards the end of it, but you didn't realize you have to read the rules. Um, one in particular is players are assigned a single position and that's what they have all year. So like, for example, Glaber Torres is a third baseman and that's it. So he even further shrinks the second base pool and it's tough. You know, so uh, it, it, it has hiccups in it. It has hiccups in it that, that change how you approach it, and you really got to be prepared for that. I've even seen people say they didn't know it was 50-50, and they were kind of drafting all these totally upside guys. That it, It's just ridiculous. Just just know the rules, people, really, you know? Do you want, do you want to take a look at the draft we're in right now, or do you, or do you not want yeah, to? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's, because you, oh, said you, you said you don't want to – you know what? You're using fake – you're using – names that you don't want people to, to, to find you on your best balls, but do you, so do you care about talking about players you've picked in the DC? Or? No, listen, man. Um, for me, I, I just, I don't know why I don't believe in it necessarily, but like, listen, I could be, I feel like I could tell you all my, all my war room secrets is not, you know, there's not much to it. You know, depending where I am on the draft board is going to change all of that anyway. So I feel like, you know, people feel like they're protecting secrets. I like Tatis. Oh my God. He likes Arenado. You know, <laughs> It, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. The second we get in the board, in, in a draft room, I know I'm I'm going to perform. And one of my keys to success for any of the people that get, you know, the nervous Nellies out there is within six picks, have your cue set for the worst case scenario, people. I don't understand people that get draft clocks taken down to the last second. I got more news for you. If you're jamming stats in the draft room, I beat you. You, you should be looking at stats while you're in the draft room. Like, you should really know and have your rankings done already. You know, I'm not saying that you don't look at all. You may be plugging in, guys, to see how it affects your projections and stuff, which is another conversation I'm hot and cold on because whatever, I think projections are, are not – they're not misleading. That's, when people say that, I think that's wrong. I think they're misused and improperly understood. But, but yeah, man, let's talk this draft board. I love this team. I think I think – I think I have a shot at doing damage with the, with with mine. So you wanted Tatis. I wanted Tatis. I, and I don't want Tatis because, remember, this has an overall. If you look at my draft, I can show you my best ball draft teams. They are in a stark contrast to my draft champions teams because of the need. Dude, you have to have speed. So I was hoping if you give yourself a guy that could end up with 30, maybe 40, if he stays healthy, who knows, you kind of ease some of that pressure. So – I'm not a giant Tatis guy, but he checks the boxes if you're playing with an overall. Listen, you're going to need – you need 125 steals probably. Now, wouldn't, wouldn't you want the – wouldn't you want upside in the best ball more than – wouldn't you want to go for upside in best ball leagues a lot no, more? No, top six. No, Zach, it's top six, so give me – nope, steady. Best ball, remember, because it's points, points, automatically your mind should go to on base percentage. So that's your immediate ranking change. On-base percentage translates into that guy. You know, you so want good. guys on base because those half a points, they build up. The point, the half a point, they all build up. Okay, okay. I don't, yeah, I don't, so I'm not a best, best ball, ball player. Best ball, if you're trying to win it all, 
yeah, you want Tatis. I have Tatis on zero teams because he's too much of an injury risk. And if I, I'm taking as little risk as possible 40 times in a, in a basketball draft. I, knew, I want guys that are going to be on the mound. I want guys that are in the lineup and getting play appearances. Okay, well, or, let's add some context to this because uh, I say you wanted Tatis, but the context is you were in the 15th, 15th slot. So you're, you were drafted right. last, oh, last, yeah. last, last in the first round. And, um, and to expand again, all of the other steals, the first round steals were, were gone. Um, there was one guy I forgot. I wasn't sure if Ramirez might have still been there. Ramirez was there. You know yeah. what? Ramirez was there. I passed on him. I, I, I'm not going there because for him, in the beginning of these drafts, I just have a path for him to bottom out much more easily than, you know, the guy I took in Nolan Arenado. I mean, I, I just – Arenado is the most, like, he's the most forgotten and, like, underrated player in these roto formats right now. This guy's one of the best hitters for, you know, half a decade, man. Yeah, I think it's just – I think people are – I think people are uh, fading a little bit because the, the stats are uh, easily to, easier to replicate. Like, like Freddie Freeman's pretty similar. Yeah, well, he I, – I actually – my my last draft champions, I did – I went Fr- Freeman on the wheel. Man, I suck. I can't remember who else I took. Oh, Soto. I went – oh, so in fact, Team 13 and Hours, who got Soto and Freeman, that was my wheel play in my last one. So I love me some – I love me some Freddie Freeman. I'm also not too hot on first base. I know there's, there's a couple guys I like towards the back, but listen, you give me freedom. He, Freeman is a professional hitter. The guy's a stud. They jacked up that lineup in the front at least. Like they're they're ready to rock, man. I love Albies too. And I, I just, oh, absolutely. Oh, I've been on him since since a call up. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's uh, I got I got Albies in this draft. Uh, yeah, I really like I really like your team. I mean, I I, I hate doing this with other people because I'm not I don't want to criticize you. Your team could easily outperform mine. You know, I'm not. I don't want to take any kind of you know, pedestal here at all. And I, I hate coming off like that, but you, you, in my opinion, you have a, there's a lot of question marks early, you know, glass now who I could see, I mean, well, he is, if you go by the 2019 stats, he was one of the most impactful pitchers on a per inning basis. It's a lot to ask for him as your SP one, I think, because though we've shown with limited innings, guys can produce more with the 120, 150 range. I mean, it's hard to project him for any more. Oh, I totally agree. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with him as my SP one. But it just so happened to. And let's, I'll just. I'll just go through my first couple of picks. I, I had Lindor in the first round, which is standard. And then I took JD Martinez in the second round. Not somebody I usually take in the second round because I really want somebody that's going to. If I'm going to if I'm going to pass on a pitcher there, I really want someone that's going to contribute in five categories. He's not going to. But the batting averages are so good. Um, and then in the third round, I could. Um, Ozzy Albies fell to me, so. I could have taken a picture there. I could have taken. Um, I like, thought you were going to go with Snell, to be honest. Yeah, Snell went right after him. I could have taken Snell, but um, I was hoping that something would fall. Th- I was hoping that um, Darvish maybe would come back to you. No, I didn't want Darvish. I, like, like you took Luis Castillo, and but I, I really like Luis Castillo. I was hoping maybe Luis Castillo or Nola would fall to me, and he Nola did fall to me. But the fact that um, Ketel Marte fell to the middle middle of the fourth round. Almost, um, so almost in the middle of the fourth. I'm like I can't pass him. I want to see which. I want to see how this. He's team a really can... interesting player because I was, I was really touting him in the preseason last year. So I got like the big payoff on him, and yep. now it's so hard to rationalize a guy who may give you less and you have to pay much more. 
Remember, that is not to say that you didn't get a good price and won't get value returned. I'm kind of pointing out my own, my own premonition, my own kind of blind spot, really. It's hard. It's just hard for me to overcome that. You know, but I also, I, in this draft, you know, again, I'll circle back again. You asked me, like, do I care sharing? No, man, I got two. First of all, I am a habitual wheel player. I have, you know, multiple wheel drafts. They're all completely different. So come at me, bro. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter. You're like, if you think you're going to figure me out reading my tweets, it's, it's just not that simple. You know, there's a lot going on. I'm always team building. Bring it. So my team, my, I, I don't think you, I don't, I don't think you can argue my, my top four hitters are really good. You know, Lindor, JD Martinez, Albies, and Kettle Martin. No, I think they're excellent. And I think you have a really good balance. The balance um, you know, good. the Marte steals. I, I think people might be shooting a little high with the steals. I think his health is going to depend on that, right? When he was banged up, you're not really getting them. When he's a hundred percent, you're getting steals. So that's where he, that's where he kind of came up as a question mark for me. I thought, you know, I thought maybe you were going to go with a pitcher there. I thought maybe you were going to end up with like maybe like a Kershaw or something. I don't know how you are or Morton or no. I'm not. I like, I like Morton. I like Nola. I like Corbin. You know, like um, I could have gone with them, but you know what? I think Kettle Marte in a vacuum is more valuable than I said. I said I've done so many of these already, and I've never. I don't think I've ever gone four rounds to the pitcher. See, so. that's another one too, right? You wanted you wanted to diversify, so people playing against you trying to anticipate that are not going to be able. Yeah, it's like play, it's like playing poker because you know what I, I can I, I you know what I did I went last um last draft I did I went and I looked at all the players that I played against and see what they've done and I have I have like a I have a rolodex of information of oh scouting players. guys I love it I'd love to read my dossier I love what I do I have, I have an ex, I have an Excel sheet and and I go and I, I did an auction last night and I said okay well I've played with this guy twice so I know what I know what guys he's taking and okay he likes VR so I don't like VR so guess see, who I had to. Uh, the the from from a like a roto theory standpoint, especially with an overall, the thing that's gotten me the most is trying to rectify stolen bases from the wheel when you don't want Ramirez or Tatis. Let's say if Tatis falls to you at the wheel in these NFBC things, I really think you have to take him. I think it's silly not to. Uh, he's not falling there anymore. So it's funny how like this goes to ADP and how it has an expiration, and also another you know uh, connection to stock trading. ADPs, you want to see today's ADP, you want to look at the last five and the last two weeks and the last month and see if you can establish a trend at all because just looking at ADP even for the last month is meaningless. Right now, Tatis, if you ask me, is basically a first-round player. So you can't assume him getting to it at the wheel, and there's not much there. So are there enough steals left in the pool later on that you like to go after the overall? So I'm kind of asking you that question, Zach. How do you think I did? in those middle rounds trying to build a speed base. So if you look, I went from like six, seven, eight, oh no, pick five, six, seven, and then I came back in like ten to try and get some speed. You think I did all right? Yes, I think you I think you I think you almost overcompensated for speed. I think that's you, what I was hoping for. I want the overall. Yeah, so I think you overcompensated for speed. So you got so let's just go through what you did. You did you got an Arenado and Bueller on the turn, which is great. Um, then uh, next turn, uh, Sale and Castillo. Chris Sale. I thought Sale. I think that's a huge discount for a guy. Again, and I'm referring always to the format. Remember, people, rules, rules, rules. Format, format, format is paramount. Sale can be SP one. He has the efficacy on a per inning basis to be the SP one if he's healthy. And hopefully, they throw that godforsaken throwing program from last year out the window, which they appear to have. This guy. It's pretty great. You know what I mean? You're talking double-digit strikeouts on the regular. So I'm not, I couldn't pass on him. Then my boy Castello, you know I mean? Me, me and we go back. 
I guess he's killing, he's killing it to everyone's boy. I'm four picks in. I have zero steals. I project Arenado for 0.18 steals, right? So he's going to have zero. So I'm four picks in, and I have to wait 30 picks, and I have <laughs> zero steals. So, man, I was scared. I really was, but it was what I wanted. I wanted my back up against the wall because, you know, Mike mentioned this last week, and, yo, people, there's something to getting into live drafts, although I would push one even further. I like to do these draft champions on the 55-second timer. You want to talk about a war of attrition? That's what I'm talking about. That is like the battle of 300, man. It is sick in there. Yeah, I did. I did a couple of those last year. I think. One oh, we, okay. Me, me and you are going to play one. We're going to organize one. Me and you will play one. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. I can't, I'm I can't say no. I just got to have the time. It's it's literally four and a half hours that you really can't walk away from, and it's kind of hard to do it on the phone. Because, you know, remember, even if we're talking about these as kind of tune-ups or warm-ups, they're not practice. There's live money I intend on winning. You these know, aren't, so you these really, aren't warm-ups for me. Though. I'm not looking to play the main event. Probably not. So these are these are the real thing. So well, uh, I would advise you, because I'm going to probably do the same thing. I, I love giving away advice that actually hurts me, is – uh. Dude, satellite, man. If you're if you're chucking cash at DCs, you got to get into a satellite. And if you win, I think you have to get first place. But if you come in first place, you're you're going to the main event. So what are the pay? I haven't looked at that. Huh? What are the pay? I don't think there is a cash. I don't think you get cash. I think it's a buck twenty-five. I believe it's fifteen-person roto, and the winner gets to seat to the main event. One twenty-five times. 15. Yeah, check check it out. Check it out. It's a satellite. He had there were main. It fucking makes no sense. It made buck twenty-five to fifteen teams. There's eighteen hundred and. Remember, uh, Zach, that we perceive that seat to be seven hundred seventeen hundred dollars. It right. doesn't cost the company anything to give it to you as a prize. You don't understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it, like, from a. If you ignore, yes, from a payout standpoint, if you ignore the fact that you don't want to put up $1,700 in a minute. It's beautiful. Event, no, that makes no sense because, you're, you're, because you're, we are collectively putting up $1,875 to, to purchase something that's worth only $1,700. Yeah, but you got to remember this. That's a particular that's why thing. I'll, I'll, never, I'll, never, I'll never do that out of principle. I just like, I get what, it. But that you are, wait, wait so. But how do you not see that as that's a and I, if the numbers are I believe they're correct. I don't know. You're paying a one twenty one hundred and twenty five dollar entry. Yeah. So my DC right is one fifty. The payout is a thousand as a shot in an overall. I guess I'm not sure. Maybe I just don't. I don't really value the overall that much. Yeah, it'd be great to win, and I think about it. But I mean, it feels like a lottery ticket to me, man. I don't walk out of the store thinking I hit the, the jackpot. I don't come out of a draft room thinking I just won the I just won the overall. I think. So what do you so so you don't then you shouldn't be as concerned about steals or saves as as the no 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 I'm playing for oh, I'm playing for it I'm okay. playing for it you just you're not you're just not concerned about it yeah well <laughs> listen I'm not concerned to the point that I'm gonna you know I'm considering you can't consider like these one percent outcomes as like you know, realistic. Yeah, they're a lot of fun and you you absolutely aim for that goal, you know, with laser guided focus nonetheless. But you, you, you can't be like, okay, and there's an overall, there's an overall. I'm not sure I like, I like a, a shot of me, especially my roto exposure as far as full-time leagues are limited because of my, you know, the moving averages, algo is geared towards handicapping. So a lot of my time is spent there the satellite for the main event might be a league that I see, you know, worth playing because again, I want a shot at that allure I was talking about without going to my cheap pockets, you know, and giving it to these sharks. 
you know, so I kind of like the idea of the qualifier. Hey, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you run away with the thing and you have a seat at the main event and you want to talk about portfolio building, you know, now you're, you know, you're where you want to be. Okay. So let's look at, let's, let's, let's go back to your team. How did you compensate for a steal? So you got after those four players, uh, three pitchers in an auto, you, you have Tim Anderson, Oscar Mercado, Danny Santana, and Scott Kingery and Kevin Newman all uh, within the first yeah, 13, kind of started, 13 rounds. Right. I made that my focus, but I don't want to sell short that, you know, I'm, I, I like to hammer the balance. You got all this, you got all this, like after Luis Castillo, which is your fourth pick, every single player was scarcity. So let's go through them. Tim Anderson. Well, I like 2020, right? Give me 2020. I like all those, you know, I like those guys so they don't have to do the 40 steel guy. If he doesn't give you that, he gives you nothing. The 2020 guy, it could be a 26, 26 guy. Right, maybe but, if he only gets to 14, maybe you get 25 in the other. So okay, like so let's the, talk about your sixth round pick, Joey Gallo. If he doesn't get you 40 home runs, he gets you nothing. Well, I'm going to push back on that, and I'm bringing it up right now. And I, I like to, I like this. To I think you're just saying you're going to push back. You don't even know how you're going to push back yet. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm pushing. Oh, I'm pushing. <laughs> no. Um, so I've been getting a ton on Joey Gallo, and it, you know this whole. I, I am the high man in the industry on Joey Gallo. And I guess if I guess if it's like our moral Twitter duty to do like hot takes, I guess I'm going to have to put this guy as like a top, like a give me like a top ten overall hitter, maybe even like a. Like, I really want to push it. I almost just don't want people to string me up, but I feel like he has a pathway almost to go all the way. I'm going to refer to one of the smartest people in the industry, in my opinion, you know, Mr. Tango Tiger. I believe his name is Tom. And if you just Google uh, the work he put together in early January, and I'll quote, Joey Gallo was among the elite leaders in radically changing their approach. Swinging far less in 2019 than 2018. Double his 2019 numbers to put them in line. The result in being more selective was that he was far more effective in the shadow zone. And this is basically the running theme here, that anyone that is a huge negative in the shadow zone and is aggressive as a hitter, is aggressive as a hitter, is a candidate for improvement if they can shift their behavior and reduce swinging in every zone, even down the middle. So Tango Tiger has this guy pegged for a change in plate discipline. So when we go to an uh, analysis and things and using all the stats and going back three years, yes, performance is important and working in averages is important and projections are important. Being in front of tangible changes is also important, you know, because again, beat the horse to death, the poor thing. If you want to win the overall, it's projections are not going to be the thing that got you there. You know, it's the guy that was projected for 32 that gave you 48 that's going to get you there. So I think Gallo in the revamped, you know, lineup, you know, they're a different lineup than they were when they started the year. A lot of young blood in there, some productive guys. You, you know, can he not go 42 and like 115, 110? You're damn right he can. So I'm Gallo all day. And if he could pull up that average from, you know, 250s, you know, where we saw like, we really, listen, he was a sinkhole. And at that point, I didn't want the 200 hitter. But if the 250 hitter can shock the world and become the 270 hitter, uh-oh, now we have a guy that's, you know, giving you first or second round return. John, I don't think there is a 250 hitter. We're, like, you're, at, you're, you're talking about there's a 250 hitter in the past. He, was, he hit 250 on the year, but that was, over the, that was over the course of two, three outlier months. He's not a 250 hitter. Well, I mean, 
historically, I think you're hoping, I would agree. You're hoping historically, that the 220 hitters no. are 250 hitters. But this is always a very interesting – that's what I kind of love about baseball stuff is you just told me that a guy who hit 250 is not a 250 hitter. So, correct, correct. I mean, for me to argue – it's hard for me to argue a guy – he did it already. So, yes, historically – now, if you were to add historically, he was never a 250 hitter. I'd say, well, that's absolutely true. But if I told you that in a small sample set, he showed the improvements and you saw the beginning and that translated into a 250 hitter. Now, granted, I may have been pushing expectations, but I was talking about hot takes on a 270. So is it that insane for me to say he replicates what he gained? The gains that he made, he at least holds. But if the growth was even linear, then you got, you reap more of it as the timeline moves. So you may be taking off from the 250 hitter this year is what I'm saying. My point is there's a great young hitter in there that the stats on a percentile basis, he breaks it all. He breaks it all. I don't want to even do the Joby Gallo rant right now. Every single thing he did was elite against the league last year. So listen, I don't have to pay a second round price. I feel like, I feel like this is like Jordan Alvarez almost, but you have to pay for Alvarez to do it. And Gallo, I don't really have to, I didn't really have to pay for him. You know, well, 30, 60, and he was on the back end. Guys, you know, he's four minutes at the 90th pick. Am I doing the math right? 36, uh, no, 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 60 picks. Down. 30, yeah. 67, I'm sorry, 75. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. run 90, I think. Somebody get me a calculator for Christmas, right? But he's at 75. So, hey, man, 75 seems like a fair price for the argument that I just laid out, at least in, you know, my opinion, and that's where people differ, things differ. Again, I was kind of looking forward. I knew I had Arenado, all power, no steals. I kind of had Anderson. I'm hoping to get a little bit of both. And I knew that I was going to be plucking up all the double-double guys. You know, double-double mean, you know, 2020, double-double. I like Mercado. I like Santana. I like Kingery. I knew I was going to go after all the guys. So if I knew I could pair those with Arenado and Gallo, who are superstar power guys, again, I feel like I'm building towards an overall. Now, have the, do I have the overall for pitching? Well, the top end of my staff is Walker Bueller, Chris Sale, and Luis Castillo. It's pretty I love good. Your, I love your pitching. And then you you went with you continued with scarcity with uh, two good closers. You got and closers were closers are um, players that are, are shooting up that ADP ranking. Um, yeah, again, right. You have to be in front of the closer market right now. And I worried. I really worried that I had jumped too soon. But I was I was kind of fortunate that no, you didn't. Um, a, somebody you didn't. went into Reese, who I don't like as much as Workman, who like I have Workman pretty high. That I was really happy to get him where I did in the first pick in the tenth. Somebody went who? Oh no, N- Neris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hector Neris. Hector, he went. He went um, back what? nine, and I was like, oh man, oh man, I'm gonna get stuck with him. I just don't. I just didn't like. Just didn't like it, you know. And again, it might not. I, what the hell do I know? I, I don't know. I only know what uh, the best that I can make of the math that I have in front of me with the experience I have. And Neris might outperform Workman three to one. Nobody knows that, so. I'm not going to get too hung up on who made a bad pick against who made a good one. But, you know, for my perception that I, I even stuck in Will Smith, so I feel like I have a strong catcher, which I think you need at least one of, you know, in these uh, overall leagues with two catchers particularly. You know, I really think I killed this league. I, I, I'm usually not this excited about the prospects for a single team. I love you. I love it. I love the team you've put together. Just Joey Gallo is someone that I've always been avoiding. So he's an avoid for me. So he's sort of. Uh, one no, of it's players. the average, the average plus the health, which again, listen, I'm making. A, a it's mainly the health. average for me because you have to, you have to really build your team. You have to really, you, you need crutches for him. 
Yeah, I feel it's, like it's, I, it's like I, playing with a broken leg. I hope leg. I did that. I know, dude. I know, I know. But and I'm looking I, at your team, and I think you did. You did a good job. You got Tim Anderson, batting champion, and Arenado. Um, um, it, like you, the catcher, you can't really factor into that. Um, Scott Kingery, I'm hoping. Like I like him a lot. I think he could be like that 2020 type. But you're hoping his average can come up. Um, he's not somebody I'd be targeting and targeting in a points or on base percentage. Yeah, me, me neither. But you know what? To be able, the ability to get. 15 to 18 steals in the 11th round, you know, it's, it's hard to put a price on that really because they dry up and then you find yourself drafting guys that had like five or six. And unless you've really dug into how situational those were, that might not be something that sticks. It's very easy for a six to turn into a two. And it is very hard to pay for that two because it's not going to pay off. Yeah, I hear you. So I, think did, I mean, I think I added strike. I'm looking at this. I'm like, I'm surprised a lot of these guys fell because I, I think I got all the strikeouts. Okay, so let's look. You got, you got a ton of strikeouts early, and then you got Urquidy and Adrian Hauser, both with a higher, um, more than a 9K per 9. You got Chirinos, Austin Voth. I think you're, you're pitching. You might have the – and then your, your closers are good. Brandon Workman and Keone, Keone Kella. A lot of people are worried Kella's getting traded. I, I also Kella. make it Stanek. Believe it or not, Stanek might get you a couple for the Marlins too. I jammed him in there. Yeah. And then, of course, that day they signed Brandon Kinsler. So now like, I probably would not have made the Stanek pick because now it's a little too muddy for me. Yeah, but I thought, that's, you know, that's listen, why you mentioned him, but he, he could get a couple there here and there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I thought well, – why I actually think he's – in. Personally, you know, and I'm the only one, I think he's in line for the saves there. How many are there going to be is another question. By I, don't, I, don't think Kinsler's, I don't think Kinsler's anything that good. You really never know. Well, no, 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 I don't think so either. But, you know, the Marlins are always looking to sell. And there's Perez back there. And uh, Jose Urania has actually got some pretty filthy stuff. And he closed a couple games. So it's money. And plus, like I said, they could trade off somebody – um, in a blink, and that person is not going to be closing where they go. So you got to be careful trying to snatch up Miami or Baltimore saves. I was just so confident in the base that I had in front of me that had I been able to tack on a guy that, listen, tell me all you want about how he's not going to do anything for them all. And Shane Green was, you know, getting 30 saves for the Tigers. So it's out there. It's all situational. There's too many variables to predict that. You know, uh, so to- totally. If, so if he has the role, he's good. He can get things. So I, your your pitching I love your catching is like great value I love Will Smith for where you got him and then you got Jacob Stallings like way way late like in the twenty fifth round yeah I got robbed of my second catcher that Austin. was the first pick that I made and I think people um um going back to what I was saying about having your picks lined up if this was a fast draft I didn't have my picks lined up I took for granted that my backup catchers were going to be there and I didn't see them getting plucked off the bottom of my queue. And mm. Stallings was like the last, if you ask me like, man, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of screwed up there. I probably should have gotten my second catcher a little earlier. You know, you would have to go a couple rounds earlier. You would have to pass on like a, a Setsugo or Talkman. I know. And I think those guys are pretty important because you could be talking about impactful bats on, on good teams that play in good parks all the time. You know, the, the uh, AL East has three of the four top ten parks by Park Factor last year, and Boston is the one that was not in there, which is kind of the surprise, right? You'd think it would be Tampa, but it was Boston, which has inflated over on the run totals. We know there's scoring going on in that band box anyway, so it's always hard to pass on those guys. But, yeah, I, I, the backup catcher is something, man, I, I think I really hurt there. But what can you do? It's never going to be perfect. 
some bum you, you definitely I, I don't have the worst you I think took you, my you're, you're, Castro it was you in the 22nd that was who I wanted you know yeah well that's uh that's too bad yeah right that, exactly bingo that's the game you play I hate when people oh my players got taken yeah your players got taken in a competitive draft like that's what happens you know so you have to factor that in you're not going to get your guys the way I look at it is if the guy I got sniped on is my backup catcher hey man that's pretty damn good you know so the one thing I'd worry about with your team is the batting average. That's just looking at it. And I don't know. I haven't crunched the numbers, but I know that you have Gallo. Maybe I'm just biased against him. But then no, no, no. I think it's fair to I think it's fair to project him on the low end. That's fair. Oh, for sure, for sure, him. But then even at like okay, so you have Arenado and you have Tim Anderson, which are good, and then you have Kevin Newman, which are good. But then you have a lot of like not I'm not going to say people that are going to hit for a low batting average, but just unknown guys. You got Kingery, Danny Santana, Mike Yastrzemski, Setsugo, Talkman, Marcana, Renato Nunez. All these guys, I don't know where they, I don't, I couldn't tell you what they're going to hit. Maybe maybe you you I well you know, imagine have done some digging. So tell, I, I have the same information. Tell me something good about some of these guys in terms of batting average that you're that you're. Um, that, but they weren't sinkholes. I mean, and I think I think my counter my my pushback to that would be, well, I'd rather I think I'd rather worry about. You know, Marcado, who uh, hit about 270, stepping back, then hoping for guys that hit 230 to do better, especially when they have good, um, you know, X stats to kind of back it up. Guys are, and Santana hit 280, I think. So it's not to say he's going to do it again, obviously, but a lot of times, you know, you hear a quoted, man, I forget who the original person say it is, but, you know, player gives it to you. He kind of owns, he kind of owns the skill. You know, so a player that's done it, I, I, I don't feel confident enough to say some of that's hit 280 is not a 280 hitter. No, I could say I maybe expect him to go down a little bit, but I normally don't expect, you know, 70 or 80 points of drop off. So give me 270, 280 hitters that are young. And, you know, we have a bit to go in the growth curve, but I'm talk particularly talking about Mercado and Santana and Kingery, all guys that have had some shine, all guys that have some growth left to do. What if I get bumps in all of those categories? And now my worry about average is actually a strength. That's always saying I feel like I have an a, I feel like I have a pathway to to finish in the top. Okay, now I think you're. I think you could. I think uh, if you look at my team, I think you you can you can pick apart my team. And I think this is what you're gonna let me take a look at my team. And I, this is what I predict you're gonna say. You're gonna say that you um, you don't have the top inning top pitching guys your your pitch your the top end of your pitching staff is not um one that could finish first overall and yeah uh, yeah and okay. then the other the other thing you might say about my team is that um i think i i, I think i uh, corrected the power i think i was lacking in power but then i just went i went all all power later on and maybe i lost sight of speed so i was sort of trying to juggle power and speed and i was sort of more on the speed end at first and then I started grabbing all the guys like Avisayel Garcia, Gritchick. Okay, I, I have a question for you. I okay. Because I like – listen, I see a lot of this. A lot of this makes a lot of sense. I'm not – you know, I'm just not crazy on Bauer. I wonder if you hoped Syndergaard, who went right before you, was going to. I'm surprised you went Bauer over Woodruff. I guess because of Glass now, you're afraid you had a bit of risk, to maybe too much risk. Exactly. That, that was exactly but, it. But, but, but – and listen, you know, between friends, if your your team has Glass now and Bauer and Carlos Correa and Denelson Lamette, dude, you're gonna talk to me about risk at this point? Just go, just go for it. You know what I mean? Just slam the gas almost at that point. Because again, this is a team, those guys, those guys have top end potential. 
Are you going to get it from one of them? I think so. Are you going to get it from two out of four? Likely. Three and four out of four, you know, obviously the chances become much lower. But, again, you're playing for the crown and no one can predict injuries. But you have so much risk here that I was surprised that you decided to, like, like, all right, like you kind of make – it's a risk-averse move to go with Bauer. You're hoping for innings, even though the production is you – know, I like Bauer. I, I, like, to your question, when Syndergaard was taken right before Bauer, I was hoping they would take Syndergaard. Really? That's yeah. interesting because – Bauer, um, Silver had brought this up, and then I was digging in on my own, and there's a lot of qualities in those, if you look year-over-year stats, that are just starting to make 18 look like a bit of an anomaly. You know what I mean? Like 16, 17, and 19 are all very similar in many ways that are not good. Yeah, but so why, why, why Bauer, would we say time for a breakout in 18 um, when he basically has better stats in 19 than he did in 17? Well, he's a mystery, and you want to talk about a head case. You know, the guy launched the ball of a center field. <laughs> I personally, listen, I, and I know a lot of people hate this because there, there is this, like, political tenant to baseball online. I just, I choose not to participate in it at all. Uh, on either side, I, I don't care for it. It has nothing to do with my paycheck, my money coming in. But, like, you know, he's nuts. I like the guys that are nuts because I like personalities. I'm big personality. I like that. But, you know, it's, listen, I just feel like, you know, again, it, there was a risk in it. Like, if you're telling me the innings are solid, yeah, but I don't feel like production was solid. But, okay, so I feel like there's a ton of risk in the middle. I'm not sure why you chose a third closer where you did it, particularly with, I mean, I guess Gallegos looks pretty safe, but St. Louis has historically been a, a tough minefield to navigate in the saves category. Plus, I felt like you had needs there. Like what? So I, I thought the third closer was – but, again, listen, you're going to have saves locked, and you don't, probably don't have to worry about that again. You yeah, saves are one, one of my strengths here for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely, and it's, and it's an important strength to have because they're not going to be found later. Yeah, you might step in, in turn and, and, and get somebody that gets traded or walks into a big role, but to assume that is kind of – it's kind of arrogant. It's like a little pretentious to think that. You know, it's not a, a league – format where you can add players me personally i like to find my saves on the uh, on the wire you know you'll see in tgfbi when we get down and dirty there that I, there won't be any closes where i took them in this league maybe one but certainly not two and absolutely not three so let me speak on this team it's not guys i hate i just yeah it just i feel like it's like a lot of risk and then like perez is nice and safe he's in a lockdown that's c1 for you for sure walker is kind of christian walker i should get the first name. I mean he kind of you know, there's a lot of risk there too, right? Because he's got some heavy splits. I love Faulty, man. I love Faulty, and and I I debated him, but I just I took Orkidi over him because I don't have any exposure to him yet. Um, I love Avisel Garcia. CJ Cron is my guy. You know, Hilliard. See, I don't like that pick. I'm sorry, man. Colorado is a little too risky now. Maybe. Maybe if I could spoil the end of your draft, maybe you come back and kind of complete that monopoly board with a couple other late pieces. But I feel like those Colorado outfielders, the other guys, are going to be going higher than you want them. Yeah, like they're talking about. not locked into a spot. Um, Desmond still produces, and for some reason he's playing. And as is Tapia, right? And so it's kind of crowded. And I just never know what they're doing. I hate the Rockies, man. They were a huge turnoff for me. I got the one of two Rockies I absolutely love. Obviously, Story and Arenado. Beyond that... Dude, you could tell me how great Rodgers is and McMahon, all guy I like. And what about Blackman? Like Blackman? Yeah, you know what? I 
Blackman, I really like. I like him more for points than I do for Roto. I think where you've got to get him in Roto, I think those counting stats, maybe maybe he can go somewhere else. I'm looking at, at ours. Where the hell did this guy go? Blackman got chosen over Springer and Stanton. I don't know. Maybe I like Springer more than I like Blackman. Definitely not Stanton for me. There's too much risk there. So yeah, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me tell, let me tell you what I was thinking. And I don't go. know. Or uh, Glasnow, I like him, but a lot of risk. Um, I don't think he's going to get the innings that most of those other pitchers around there would get. Um, so that's why I pair, that, that is why I paired him with Bauer. I wanted Bauer. I, I wanted um, those strikeouts because obviously it's a weekly league. You're not going to be able to uh, play daily matchups. So you need, you need that player that's going to get you your 200 plus strikeouts. Then I went with Lamette because I like Lamette. And you know what I've noticed? And I don't look at projections and I don't really value projections a lot, but his um, steamer projections are almost identical to Tyler Glasnow, who's going sometimes in the fourth round. So I think well, a- if you've seen him pitch, he's he's got this strikeouts in there, man. If he can harness the control a little bit, oh, he can get you two hundred strikeouts in one hundred fifty innings. So that's I think that that's that he's he can he's a sneaky volume guy. Um, and then I said to myself, okay, well, you know what, my pitching staff is definitely um, on going to be my my weak point. So what what am I looking at my composition? So I have th- I have three pitchers right now. It's going to be hard for me to get three more um, good innings eaters. That's going to, that's is that really be. enough? Even is that a, it, is honestly, that really enough? So I'm sa- I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this is a team where I'm going to try to play six pitchers or six starting pitchers and three closers to start off with, helping my ratios, and then I'm hoping that I can hit on some maybe some other pitchers that will eventually come into relevance. So if you look at what I did later, my my starting rotation, I. As we, my my closers are Leclerc, Gallegos, Taylor Rogers, and very I'm, strong, very strong, strong. And then I even have Corey Knebel and James Karinchek, which I took later. So I have five. See, I feel like again, I would have pushed. Like if me and you were working on this team together, I don't think I would have went back to the well for more saves. I think you needed to start a pitcher there. I, I, maybe maybe you don't like anyone. Is deeper than mine, and it I, easily could be. There's nothing. There was nothing there that really excited me. I know. I felt the same way. I, I that was my that like, Kyle Gibson hey, pick like, I made last was kind of like with a ball. Like I'm looking like like even I'll I'll tell you you're really in the same draft, but I, the, these players are still available. Like you got Justice Sheffield. Like I don't know Taiwan Walker uh, doesn't, doesn't it doesn't even have a team right now, even though I like him. And you got boring guys. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I'd rather just the Corinne Chuck. I'm thinking Han might get traded, and that's like ooh, that's. Yeah, listen, those are the big ones, and you benefit greatly from, um, you know, that kind of strategy, like having even putting him, even putting him in over a starter. Yeah, I'm not getting the innings, but the ratios that he's going to get me that's going to maybe um, the ratios like putting him in turns Bauer into something better than Bauer. So like again, going back, I got Glasnow, I got Bauer, I got Lamette, and then I got so those are my three starters, which are amazing, and then I got three closers. Now I need three more pitchers. The pitchers that I ended up getting, two of them were Fulty and Keiko. Those guys, I think Fulty's a sneaky guy that can get 200 innings. I think he almost threw 218. So those man, I'm guys. way higher on him than than most. There's a lot of uh, a lot of naysayers so there. I like him a lot, man. When uh, he, I, I've watched him quite a bit. When he's healthy, you can tell, and he's a different pitcher. He burned me last year, but I'm I'm back I'm back on him in the same way as I am last well, year. Well, how did he burn? He didn't really. How did he burn owners last year? Unless you drafted before he got hurt. He got hurt. Yeah, I did. Oh yeah, me, well me too. But yeah. then I also drafted him. Yeah, I mean, but injuries are injuries. Then I drafted him again after the injury when he was going like in the two twenties. And listen, that that back that back end he gave us was phenomenal. You know, yeah. I was 
you know, he was a must start really on the back end there, whatever it was, a dozen starts or so. He, well, he also burned me in leagues where there was, there was waivers and I dropped him for other players. Ah, uh, yeah. See, that doesn't come up. So here, I, that, that, that covers eight of my nine pitchers. And then my, t- my, my nine pitcher is Kolpak, which is, doesn't, complete my my doesn't complete the plan really so he's I, about, I what about halfway they're expecting him yeah I don't, I don't know so i don't know what's going to happen with that but i i'm still i still need probably two more boring guys well yeah you need to be you need to be mining that pitcher player pool and and grabbing some guys because you're not the only one in need of yellow bars and you know that was my main fear that's why i, I got those three big dogs up front and it just gives you so much peace of mind later on, you know, to know my third, you know, my third starter in Castillo, like without looking or trying to be arrogant, I probably have the best three in the league. Well, team seven has the Grom, Bieber and Severino, but look, there's your competition. You know, you have to keep, have to keep pace with those guys. So between I have Bueller, Sale, Castillo, another one team has the Grom, Bieber and Severino. You got to keep up with them. You got to keep up with the Joneses. I think you have the best pitching staff. Yeah, I think it's between you two. And then you got, you got – no, He's, you got he's very good. I think I got him afterwards, although, I don't know, people love Frankie Montas, but I got it. I could get that one slam dunked in my face. I'm willing to take that one on the tooth, man. That happens. What about, what about Garrett Cole, Aaron Nola, Jose Barrios, Zach Galen, Rob Brady I don't like Ray. those guys. I don't like – well, I, I, I'm, I don't like those guys. You know, this guy said he doesn't like Garrett Cole. No, I like DeGrom more than I like Cole this year. I like Garrett uh, Cole. Garrett Cole's going to be all right. No, no, he's great. <laughs> we're talking about the number one. You know, no, but I, I, was, I, was looking, I was listening to their top five. If I had the top pitcher, I would have taken DeGrom over Cole. But he has Cole. Nola, who, again, I'm not crazy about. There's a, there's, there's a lot there I've been looking into that's not really great, man. He, too, has kind of this, like, uh, I don't know if anomalistic is a word, but, like, you know, single year that kind of stuck out. That I'm not into. I'm kind of off him, and I—he was another player that I really hit on that that big breakout year. I bought him low, and he paid off. Now I'm kind of—I kind of sold it high. I'm not really into it. Berrios, I, I just hasn't really fulfilled everything you know that we expected. You know, I—I I, I don't love him. You know, I don't love those guys. I feel like he passed up on on a lot more. You know, him too. I I definitely would have taken Barrios over Woodruff, man, or Paxton. I want Paxton and Woodruff more than I want Barrios and Nola. You know, and you can get Paxton two rounds later. So for me, that's a wasted pick. I think he jumped on Robert a little too early. Uh, I, I don't know. For me, I would have had to, if, if, if Bauer was gone, I probably would have had to go with Barrios, despite the fact that Woodruff and Paxton, I think, are better pitchers. Yeah, no, just no, because, no, just no, because, no, of, the, because of the volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You needed innings and you filled that out. But again, there goes to the point of one of the advantages of at least getting one guy up top, let's say in the first three picks. Maybe yeah. four. Yeah, I'm going to even stretch the four. Because in the fourth round, I see Darvish, I see Corbin, I see Giolito, I see Castillo. So I see guys that I feel like could easily return, you know, SP1 value, and they could be an ace for your fantasy staff. But I, I wouldn't have escaped the fourth without taking one because now nah, I just figure – Yeah, it's the first grab. time I did it. Well – Let's 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 go on to some and you know what I wanted to talk about some of the the shitty teams and by the shitty teams I mean Orioles and Tigers not these teams on this draft board and some of the sneaky values you can get with some of those teams because I've seen um, some of the some of the the notes you put out on Twitter and you've talked about Kristen Stewart and Renato Nunez. Um, can you talk about uh, can, you talk, can, you, can you talk about those two like just those two teams specifically and I don't know maybe there's another one in the Marlins okay, or the Giants. Let me, get, let me get my note up. 
I've got a good one now. You know, there is a a pretty big disparity in the uh, the, the price of those two players. So you could really get them both. And I found like I kind of have a bit of both. And you know, and anyone that plays draft champions, uh, you know, when you're into like the 40th round, not that Nunez is going there, but Stewart certainly is. Man, the idea of like uh, plate appearances and steady lineup opportunities in the middle, particularly with shots and counting stats, you can't underscore that. I don't care how bad the guy was in his, uh, you know, in his spot so far, especially guys that were thought of as, you know, maybe becoming something. So Nunez was definitely a guy that I really like. No, it was this guy. Um, man, I had brought him up all the way in the beginning of December. And I think the first thing to take away is that there's just something about people. People hate bad teams, which, like, I get. It makes sense because I, I guess the, you know, the, uh, the, the gut reaction is that it, it takes a hit in, in uh, counting stats. But I had something here, and it's, it's just not necessarily the case, you know, because Nunez, and it's like, oh, he's terrible. There's no need for it. We're talking 31 bombs. 72 runs, 90 ribbies. That's 162 ribby plus runs. That's fantastic. You know, 99 WRC plus. So, you know, according to that, it's right on average. However, I think there's a lot to like here. Maybe the story's not all being told. You know, his BA, XBA, slug, XLUG, whoa, XLUG. All these things are in the top, like, you know, 25 to 30%, which is a great place to be. Um, let me see. You know, he's getting the ball in the air. Man, I had a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah, he – something I like to look at when you're gauging power, you know, is that uh, that maxed velo. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's he's got that. He's near the top. He's got 114.8. And I know that could just be a single ball. But, again, if you watch him, it's it's not. It's not because his um, average fly ball line drive, which is also something I like. So I'm, sorry, I'm stammering. I, I wasn't ready for him. I do have him up now. Um which is something I like to focus on because now we're not just talking about guys that smoke the ball and are, you know, killing all the worms on the field. The fly ball line drive mile per hour is great because that's the velocity of the ball when it's being lifted. And his at 94 miles per hour, listen, it's pretty good. You know, he's up there in balls uh, hit over 95 miles per hour, which are directly correlated to slugging, which is directly related uh, subsequently to production. Right, so he's a barrel leader at 43. And there's just, for me, there's a lot to like there. You know, I wouldn't put him up there as, I probably don't want him as my starting first baseman. But I definitely like him as a, a corner infielder for sure. I think the upside is probably a back-end first baseman. But, you know, we're talking about pick, what, like, he's, he's into the 300s. So at that point, again, we're just talking about a pulse. You know, so for a lineup that's actually You're talking about Renato Nunez, yeah, Renato Nunez ADP right now. Well, this is combined throughout the start. It's two seventy. Okay, so two seventy. Yeah, and again, remember my love of these guys is predicated on the price generally. So where I like what I saw, it was because it stood out more so um, at the price. So he's been going. Might, a, he's been going a lot later than that in some drafts. Yeah, you know what? I feel like that's what I've seen. Um, maybe it's a bit more recent, or maybe he's just a guy that, you know, listen, sometimes it's just dependent on the draft room and what kind of bias those people are holding against Orioles. Some people just don't want the Orioles. But like I said, um, I, I, I did the math, and I think it's roughly like 69%. Whoa. I think it's roughly 69% of Orioles games are played in parks that are 
top 10 in park factor. You know, when you factor in the uh, nine or 10 at Yankee Stadium and the nine or 10 in Tampa also, and then the nine or 10 at Fenway, man, this guy always has a great environment, you know, to to play against. Yeah, I guess the pitching would be tough, but we thought that about Boston. They weren't very good. So I I think that lineup is going to take a few steps forward in, in Baltimore. Now, on the other hand, Christian Stewart has an ADP of 517. Okay, now, (laughs) this is is like all me because this is like the super, super, super deep dive. I mean, get it out. I'm going to actually reference my own. This is like the douchiest thing I'm going to do today. But I'm going to reference my own tweet. You know, know, Zach, you know I tweeted this. As as per. But yeah, as per my tweet five days ago, according to the Twitter machine. No, but this is truth. All right, and, and this is stuff that I think is important about not just focusing on last year's stat, last year's player card, which, as we pointed out, can be misleading. This, I think, is another point. You know, uh, this guy's a, a person. He's a human. And the growth is not always linear. Uh, Stewart had a ton of shine coming up. So I had him labeled as he's been disca- widely discarded and basically forgotten. He's not even being drafted in 40-round point leagues, which I, I kind of understand because I do have him beyond that. But – if you're short in outfield, uh, you know, production, there easily could be something there. Um, the judgments, remember, that people are making being based on less than 500 plate appearances. So I don't want to get crazy about kind of saying this guy's career is done just based on that. Um, roster resources, which, again, is not the, you know, it's not infallible. Uh, but they're pretty accurate and they're pretty smart guys. I love the work they're doing. They haven't projected him as the opening day five hitter and regular left fielder. He's a former top prospect like team. Right? Isn't there something wrong? It almost feels like that's wrong that there's an opening day five hitter, you know, widely being not drafted. That almost – and especially in a league as deep as 50 rounds. So well, if, you're, if we're staying on those teams, there's also, there's also an opening day starter probably, unless it's John Means, it's going to be the opening day starter. But if it's Alec Cobb, it's going as, at 80. Oh, there you go. I knew you were going to work him in Maze. Maze. I knew you were going to work in quarter cub. I know it. Yep. Um, yeah, and, you, you, you and, got me. And, he, and I Brandon think Bailey. Means is the guy. I think you know you caught me stammering. I think I think Means is going to open it up there. But but again, um, opening day rotation is probably even better. You know, you don't necessarily want your Baltimore Oriole facing the number one starter on other teams anyway. So don't be disappointed if Cobb isn't the one. You know, we probably want him facing the threes and fours and fives. Yeah, that's not but a bad point. That, that pitching staff is – it's horrific. I mean, to be it, honest, it's really it, disgusting. I could probably, I could probably go there and I, – I probably got a chance at throwing uh, maybe in the third or fourth slot in the, the rotation. They're, they're going to they're gonna get obliterated every day. They're going to win whatever games they could score in, and they're not going to win any other ones. The, the rotation is – it's just sad, especially when you see what other bad teams are doing and picking up guys on one-year deals. Listen, these owners should be embarrassed – that you weren't out there on the market for some of the veterans that you could pay 11 or 12 million bucks. And the guy's going to give you 28 starts, you know, and at least there's like a, a legitimate major league baseball player. Instead of, I don't even want to look at the roster resources. It's puke. It's, it's pathetic. It really is pathetic. Oh, I've, been, I've, been, kind of, I've been looking at it like crazy. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's upsetting to me because he's, I'm not, I do not want to hear for one second, the, the, the poverty cry of the billionaire owner who's in the black, before the first pitch is thrown because of TV deals and all, all these league deals and stuff like that. I don't even want to hear it. You owe it to everybody. You owe it to every fan, even of other teams, to put a competitive product. I'm not telling him they have to go out and spend $200 million, but you owe it to people. To, you know, you shouldn't be banking all these benefits and bonuses and stuff. It's, it's a joke. It really is a joke. We need owners that want to win. 
that's a different discussion. So but it doesn't, doesn't have to be back. a bad team. Let me, and, let me and, go back to Stuart because I want to point something out to people that I'm sure the majority have never heard. What this guy did in the minor leagues is nothing short of insane. In, this, in his stints there, he had a full season in 18 and then a shortened season in 19. I forget if it was from a call-up or an injury. I believe it was a mixture of both. But batting average, so these, the two numbers are going to be 18 and 19. Okay, his batting average was 270, went up to 290. On base, 364, up to 422. Slugging, 480, 458. Woba, 373, 388. WRC plus, 131, 138. That is crazy. This guy was supposed to come up to the league and do damage, and he just fell apart. He has one of the worst collection of Major League Baseball stats that you're going to find anywhere in the 2019 pool. Literally, he was one of the worst players that had 100 plate appearances, you know, of all 30 teams. So, yeah, I get that, you know, you, it's easy to kind of write him off, but I really feel like that's kind of short-sighted. You know, man, it's written. still walk 8% of the time. That's a good yeah. <laughs> yeah, I put it in the air 40% of the time. What else? The max mile per hour of 112. Um, you know, it's funny that, um, <laughs> ooh, sweet spot percentage, 37%. The launch angle is at 19. You know, the average uh, foot was 195. So he actually hit the ball kind of hard. And, you know, low bat, maybe he bounces back a little bit. But, you know, 230 average, it's just, man, it was really, really ugly. 314 X Woba for a 294 Woba gross, sub 700 uh, OPS bad 154 iso bad uh, so the numbers are bad okay i'm not trying to this is a my guy that is purely based on i'm hoping for you know you th- I threw the noodle at the wall and the thing happened to stick but you don't have to pay anything more than that i feel like the price is more than manageable oh absolutely and i think you know, the- honestly i think you nailed it with with um what's what's fuck's this guy's name um kristen stewart I think yeah, I, 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 I think it's obvious. You know what? I, I think people are like in these NFBC DCs, we're looking at the ADP, we're using them, we're using them as a crutch. People are just forgetting that these guys are available. Like I'm forgetting. I don't have any Kristen Stewart. So I'm criticizing myself. You're just Well, yeah, you can't sort well, people are sorting by stats. And that kind of goes to what I was saying about busting out the stats at the draft board. You kind of did yourself a disservice. You know, I would never go into an important test having not studied before, even if it was open book, I'm not going to assume to be able to digest, interpret, and apply all of the research on the fly. Again, it doesn't mean that I don't look at anything, but you know, you got to really be, you really got to be prepared. Man, I can't even, I put on uh, the all player search. I can't even find this guy in ODP, uh, in, in ADP. Is it safe to say he's like, he's past 600 at this point? Who's this? Kristen Stewart that we were talking he, about. Yeah, he's 517. Oh, five, seven. Oh, man, I'm going to – that's another one that, like, way ahead of the curve, way ahead of the curve. So, you know, to me, that kind of validates some of the work that I'm doing. Um, so I would tell people, you know, when you're following along on Twitter, if I'm dropping these things, man, maybe it's not all for naught. Hey, Johnny, um, you know, Johnny knows a thing or two, right? Yeah, right. I've got something going on because, you know, again – He's got again, something between the ears. Johnny's got something between the ears. I may be kicking myself – for not having incorporated draft champions into my portfolio earlier to go all the way back to before. Um, because again, I always go back and back test all of my work. So when I back test the 2020 preseason drafts, 
I'm going to make sure to keep an eye out for that. And if I was very successful, see, again, it may have been wrong of me to avoid them because I thought the shot at the overall, which again, I kind of said I was not into, is lowered when maybe my chance of winning the singular league was a lot higher because those teams are so strong. That's something I'm going to have to revisit. And maybe I'm going to have to correct on the fly instinctively. I kind of feel like I'm going to have to because I'm looking at an entire roster full of players whose prices have changed. But it's endless. Like if you look, if you're looking between post 400, it's endless of all these little diamonds in the rough. Like you've pointed out a couple of them, but, and like when I was doing them in in November and yeah, November and early December, you wouldn't like, it's just people that some players just aren't being identified that are just so obvious that should be going higher. One of them, like I'm still talking about Alex Cobb, just because he's not anything good, but he still should be going higher than 650. Another yeah, guy, particularly in these leagues where there's no moves allowed. Yeah, another Why another another guy I got in the 49th round, I think, or 48, 49, 50, one of the drafts from the early drafts, and I was still getting him in the 30s and 40s, and he's not going that late anymore. Is Tony Watson on the Giants? Like he could easily be their closer. In fact, roster resource has him as a closer yet. No one um, was paying any attention because Sean Anderson, I don't think he's anything that good. He doesn't have the experience at all that, that, that Tony Watson has. Um, but there's no, but Watson had no business going being like, he was basically being ignored in some life trust. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. Anybody listening to the, should jump on that because even though I'm here talking about like, you know, I've, I've kind of front run the market a couple of times it still takes a lot of time. So Zach telling everybody this right now, you need to put that, you know, arrow in the quiver. You got to keep that, that ready for later because I'm again, man, I hate being sounding arrogant or judgmental, but I feel like you could see people throwing picks away at the very end. You yeah. know, that it's almost like I almost can't picks are made that I don't even foresee a possible path that that's a productive pick. Yeah. And you know what I, what I do, what I do in these drafts, as soon as we get to like, 200. I start taking people out of the queue. My queue is not players I'm going to draft soon. My queue is players that I'm going to forget that are going, that are, that are ranked in that list way lower than they should be. So I'm taking out your Tony Watsons. I'm taking out your, um, I don't even want to say something right now. That's okay. Listen, you got to keep some close to the best. You got to keep some of them. I'll I'll tell you a couple of them. I'm taking out, I'm taking out um, Jesus Aguilar. Because his ADP is like 400 still. See, you would think I, – I was so into him after the breakout that I love so much of the stuff behind it. I know a lot of people – Still a starter. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not reaching, I'm not reaching for him before 300. But once, once 350 comes along, I'm definitely starting to sweat. And I'm starting to sweat saying I don't want anyone else to get him at this late. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And I think you know, what's funny is reconciling – um, that when you do that, because sometimes I, my cue is actually a little bit of both, right? So I have the guys that I'm going to take if my worst case scenarios are chosen, because I don't want to get caught in a situation where I'm being emotionally reactive, opposed to being proactive, which is the proper way to have your plan already set in front of you and then executing that, you know, with the work done to validate it already, rather than, you know, kind of uh, rage picking, uh, you know, the snipe pick, which it frazzles people and Man, I know I can be a bit compulsive, but I truly believe that, you know, man, that one missed pick could really spoil the entire draft because the ripple in the puddle, you know, the way that butterfly effect kind of expands outward, you know, changes everything, man. So I always make sure I'm hyper-prepared. But I do – I like to stick those cue guys at the bottom. Now, Zach, tell me if this ever happened to you. 
sometimes I end up drafting them too early, you know, yeah. I'm like staring at it. Absolutely. That always, that, that, that's happened to me. I guess as long as you get your guy, like that's, uh, you know, I guess that's really the most important thing because again, you're going to have uh, some emotional players. You're going to have some very adamant players. You're going to have people that are, you know, hell bent on a roster that they don't care about ADP and none of those things are wrong. But it becomes hot, you know, becomes that game of chicken, right? Am I going to keep waiting? Am I going to keep waiting? Am I going to keep waiting? Well, right now we're around 400. There's a couple of people in my queue that I always they, they're my guys. I want to get them, and and I'm not going to be able to get all of them. And sometimes I'm at a point right now where I'm like, okay, I need starting pitching, but I have these three guys that are going to go in the next 30 picks. I'm going to miss on one of them. So do I forego what I need? So basically, what I'm saying is I'm going to have to reach on one of them, and um, way above what their normal ADP is. Yeah, another good one I was wondering, because I, you know, I find that I find myself in, in, you know, having certain habits, right? And it's very easy for a person to think that, oh, that's the smart way to do it. And that's how everyone does it. But I know that's not the case. It's just my way. So I often wonder, okay, so like you lay out this cue in front of you, which I said I do, but I'm, I'm weary of because I feel like it kind of throws off my construction at, at points. Um, what, what was I going to say? Oh, um, but oh, yeah, yeah. But I find that especially in these later drafts, I need to be more focused on correlative picks. Let's call them, uh, you know, picks that complementary picks, let's say, you know, um, because right, we're at the 400s and you're going to have a hard time finding single players that give you a tremendous amount of output. And that's the nature of the beast. I feel like there are players that can be taken in pairs though, that might equal that. So where do you, I you totally know, do that too. Like I get caught, which is funny. That's, this is one of the reasons where it's, for me, it depends on the position on the board. If I have the wheel, like I have in our current draft, I am like focused on taking people in pairs. So am I, you know? I do that. I love, that's why I love the wheel too. I'm with you. Yeah. I think, I think it's a great idea for people to consider before giving up hope, because I'm telling you, I feel like you really see people just throwing picks away before you've given up hope, maybe try and find complimentary pieces. That's something I always do. Um, I can think of a couple right now. I don't have to give away the war room secrets again, but hey, man, all the power to you. You want to get in the ring and tangle with me? I say, let's do it. Um, I've been eyeing the fifth spot, the fifth rotation spot in Atlanta. I like to package uh, Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson. I think there might be something there between the two of them. Hey, man, you could end up in a situation where both guys are on the mound and you really took off. Yeah. Um, I, was I, doing, like, I was doing that last year, actually. I was doing Kyle yeah. Wright and um, someone else. Dude, Kyle. me and you were lockstep because I and was over. Dude, I had all the Tukey. I had all the Bryce Wilson. I had all the Kyle Wright. It did not pay off. I had, but, I had, I had Kyle Wright and Max Freed, so it paid off for me. Oh, you did very well. So, you did very well. You did very well. See, although, but it doesn't always flop. Last year, believe it or not, what really helped, I had the Cardinal infield stack very late last year. So who would have thought that having Paul DeJong and Colton Wong was going to be as big as it was? And it was. You no, know, I had none of those. Oh, you know, you know what? Perfect example of what I did last year that, that is exactly what you're talking about. And I did this not even in DC leagues, but in like standard, your, the, the, the daily leagues. I, there were so many leagues where I had Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, and Brandon Rimdruff. So I said, and I, I made a bold prediction at the beginning of last year. I said, one of our, I said, those three players were, will be the Milwaukee Brewers' best three pitchers. It was kind you of got it. And, and Peralta is really still un, – it's really unfulfilled because if you watch him, he's got some stanky filth. He is nasty. I might be taking him with my next pick. Hey, go for it. I, I'm, I'll do this to all, 
again, I'm not into, you know, if full, uh, you know, all transparency, I actually DM'd uh, Modico when his clock was running out yesterday because I, I don't want to win like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, yeah. not trying to win on a formality to me where, you know, I'm going to be playing another one of these and maybe it'll be that good juju that puts me over the top. So, like, I, you know, I'm into, like I said, I'm into helping. I, if we're talking pairs, there's another pair I love. Although the pair, the pair is kind of becoming a three pack. And that's where it starts to get dangerous having to spend three picks on positions. But but there's a, a lot of – Let me guess. Oakland? Oh, it's the Oakland infield. Oh. Yeah. Zach for three. Oh, yeah, for three. But, but it's true. Barreto and uh, I believe it's pronounced uh, Nusi because I've heard prospect guys say it like that. And yeah. Mateo. Um, these guys, I pro- the, the last two I know the least about. But what I do know is there's a lot of shine there. There's a lot of promise on a good team that doesn't mind playing young players, and they're free. So you could pack. My fear is I've got the wrong two. But listen, that's a game we're playing. You know, you're in this. You're in the four five hundreds when you're picking these guys. Yeah, and another one you could do is the Blue Jays rotation. I feel you got. Man, Chandler- you know what? Can you enlighten me? I haven't even sniffed around that tree. And again, it's probably you know what. It stinks. I, I, uh, yeah, well, I don't – at least the scary, right, in itself. What are you talking about, like a Thornton? Like you're into Thornton? Well, yeah, like the, like past 40 rounds, um, you, you got your um, you got your um, shoemaker. He's got an injury risk. But and, gonna... Let me tell you something. Per inning, per inning, he has got – he's got stats, man. No one yeah, thinks he's, he's been good. He's been, he's been injured, but he's been fluke yeah. injuries. You got Shanyan Yamaguchi. Mike DeMouth thinks he's going to start. I don't so I don't so much buy it. But you got Trent Yeah, Thor- you know what? His argument – um, I was hoping I wanted him. That's what I mean. So I don't know if he's right or wrong. I, uh, you know, I had no idea. I don't have any inside track. I was hoping when it came up that I turned the rate, the volume up. I was like, Oh, here we go. I'm going to get sold on it. And it was like, it's not making me feel any more confident. Not that I'm confident in the other guys. It sounded like know? he maybe knew something that, um, because he wasn't really opening up on a lot of his players, but that was the one guy that he opened up on. So it makes me, it's intriguing. That, yeah. But he's living, so, he was, you know what? I'm always, he was, I'm he was always confident like, with no reason, but <laughs> Yeah, but maybe he's trying to throw you off the set, man. Again, this is a he's a hard nosed competitor. He was not shy whatsoever about telling you who comes first, and it's him, and that's the way it should be. But he made no bones about it. So the guy that won't share with you if he's putting down full cent too, could be, could be honest, could be. But not. anyways, I, I like Anthony K. Anthony K. Shen Yamaguchi, Thornton. Those three. Guys. I don't even see K on the active. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's on their uh, major league depth chart on roster resource. But those three guys, he was good. In the, he was good in the minor leagues um, on the Mets. Those three guys are just dart throws. And same way with the, like I said, the Baltimore rotation, Cobb and you got um, Dean Kramer. And Man, look have, at this uh, now, Zach. Brandon, I Brandon I wanna, Bailey. Can I, can I do my 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 personal record for backtracking? Because like I guess I really wasn't familiar with the staff. I knew I kind of wanted to avoid them between the stadiums and the teams within that they're not very appetizing. Man, maybe I think I might be with Mike on this one, but I think Yamaguchi might end up in the five spot. Baroki, you know, hasn't really done much. Isn't Baroki hurt? Like, isn't he coming off? Yeah, and he's been dealing with. He was dealing with injuries. So, I'm not. I I don't think Baroki's. I think Baroki's like the like the eighth choice in that rotation. Yeah, well, again, Russell Resource hasn't fifth. I no. So I'm. I'm. You know what? I just fell victim on, on the. You know, on the first glance of roster resource, which is why you have to be careful with it. You know, but when you when I'm looking in, no, no, no. I think I would give Yamaguchi. I think if they if they paid him and brought him here, I think he's going to at least get a couple starts. You know, they're going to wait and see if he's got it. That's my opinion. I so, think. Yeah, Thor- I think. Th- I think what's going to happen, Thornton and Giles. Who are you or, in? You're like Roark. Thor- I mean, it's Roark. Uh, 
Yeah. No, I'm, what so I'm is that what you're going to end up with? You're going to have to end up, you're going to have to find some sort of production if you mean, if you intend to catch me in pitching in this league we're in. You know, so I guess you need some of these guys. Rock has done some damage in his day, but man, look who he's playing all the time. Jeez. You know, you really want to yeah. start him against the Yankees? The Yankees, it, it's so difficult to have an, an AL East pitcher. You just never want to face the Yankees, ever. Yeah. It's terrifying from a fantasy standpoint. However, if that's when you're telling me, you know, you're going to fall back on your ratio-driven reliever, like, then that's, that's fine, too. You know, there's, there's a, they say there's a hundred ways to skin a cat without scratching his asshole. So maybe that's one of them, you know? <laughs> any, other, any other pairings or triplets that, you're, that you've um, been uh, targeting? Uh, like I'm thinking, what about, what, about, what, about, what, about, what, about, what about closers? What about, what about the, the, okay, the... closers? I do not intend to reinvent the wheel, nor do I intend to know the future. I base my closers pick, my closer picks off of the previous ones. No, I don't really make it secret. You see it if you're in any draft room I'm in. You know that if I if I bought, you know, uh, Atlantic Avenue, I want Marvin Gardens or whatever the hell the uh, Monopoly equivalent is. Yeah. You know, once I plant my flag on a team, it is my opinion, I feel my best chance of maximizing opportunities is to just look for the opportunities on that team. Because so I feel like you, you can take a bunch be... of darts and miss them all. Whereas I kind of just want, you know, Boston, Boston has had problems with the close role. I think Workman is pretty solidified in there. To them specifically, right now I'm doing the shoulder shrug emoji. I don't even know who to take after him because last year I was on Barnes and Brazier and that just imploded. It completely blew up my face. I left that draft thinking I was the smartest guy in the world. I'm going to get at least 41 saves from the Boston closer, whoever he is. I probably got like two and they came six weeks in and by then it already ruined me in saves. You know, so I'm just going to look to build there. I know I didn't make a great point with Boston, but like Pittsburgh, maybe I did. I have Kella, you know, they've got Felice, they have Crick. Maybe there's some strikeouts there. Maybe, you know what I mean? Kella may even get traded and then maybe Felice closes for Pittsburgh and Kella goes and closes for someone else. I don't know, you know. It, yeah. It's a very tough landscape to, to navigate. So I wish I had a great answer for everybody. I, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I, I was wondering when you're right? going mean, to Crick. Listen, I, no, I, I think no Crick, Crick is not good, though. I'm not, don't I know. Worry. He would be I'm the not, third I'm not one against 50 rounds. The only, the only way I'd ever draft Crick, quick, Crick is Crick. If, I had, if I had Kella. That's the only that's the Well, only that's what I mean. See, but that's what I mean where and, – and I may be – this may be a, a bad strategy. You know, this may be a bad strategy to chase the team context – you know, but I, it's just, it's very hairy. It, it's very hairy. It's a very bumpy road. I don't think there is a definitive answer, but I think what all of this discussion really does magnify is the importance of getting in the door early, at least with one guy. You know, I don't think you're going to patchwork together a draft champions save overall winner if you don't have at least one of those top, I don't know, what is it, like eight or ten, you know, whatever, whatever solid – you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't even have to be Yates. Oh, man. You know, where, where does it end? Where's that tier end? Maybe the tier ends with me and Workman. Let, let me ask, let me ask Giles, you. Giles, man, Giles makes me nervous. Maybe if you had – you want to talk about a player pair that's relevant to this point, is uh, Jansen and Blake Training make a nice pair, right? Yeah, yep. That's I, a nice pair. I, I, think one of the, I think one of the most um, 
must have handcuffs is Ginkle for Archie Bradley. Wait, is who? Kevin Ginkle on the Diamondbacks. Yeah, see, and, and you'll get those are both cheap. Those yeah, that, that's what I, I, I talked in. I don't know if you've listened to all the episodes, I doubt it, but I, one of the first episodes I said, when I'm looking at a closer in these draft and hold leagues, it's a lot different than when I look at a closer in a league where there's waivers. And I'm never looking to handcuff my closers in a 12 teamer where there's just. No, know, never, no, never. Never. But these 50 teamers, yes. So you're looking. When Who you're this looking, guy when didn't you're, say his name? I'm looking at the roster page. I don't even see Kevin, Kevin Ginkle, G I N. Oh, there it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he had, like, I was you all, not know Kevin Ginkle? He's drafted in the 22nd round in 16. Where have I, where have I been? I've been under a rock. Apparently. Yeah, exactly. He had like an amazing ERA and strikeout ratio in the minor leagues. Um, anyways, well, you're always looking for closers. How many saves they're going to get, obviously, and how good they are. So that's the only thing. Ratios and saves. That's what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, and hey. listen, the, the turnover – the, between the injuries, job loss, the turnover in re- the relieving categories is insane. And in a standalone league, I, I almost think, especially with waiver pickups, I almost feel like you can punt it. Listen, again, you try and do what I did last year with Boston. Try and get a, a couple of question marks on a positive context that maybe become something great. I know that blew up in my face. The year before, uh, I had traded. I had Blake training and nobody, he was an afterthought. And I had a guy that had a pathway to, you know, uh, saves on a good team in a good context. So I think as long as you're basing your, your arguments and your decisions there, you know, I think you can end up in a good spot, but a lot of people, a lot of people, are, you know, a lot of people I've talked to um, just want the, who's in, do they just want to get me the best pitcher available? Who's going to get me the saves? Who's going to do the best things for my ratio. But in these leagues, I'm thinking further than I'm thinking both of those things, but I'm also thinking, um, to get a player like Archie Bradley and Ginkle. That's one of the, one of the co- combinations I target because there's three more things I look for. How easy is it going to be to acquire the backup? Ginkle, pretty, pretty, he's pretty cheap compared to other yeah, ones. Yeah, I'm, I'm, is he even go? I don't know if I've even seen him go. He may have gone without me knowing. Oh, yeah. He, no, they, he goes. He goes like in the late 400s or okay. mid, to, mid to late 400s. He always goes. Oh, as um, people are solidifying. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Oh, Mar- okay. um, Mar- um, uh, Starling Marte to the D-backs is close, apparently. Yeah, you know what? You have to forgive me. I'm not. I just stopped buying these uh, these rumors, man. They're more than oh, this one. This sounds like it's legit. Anyways, so I'm, I'm breaking. I'm totally losing track of my thoughts. So, how easy they are to acquire? How good the backup is? And I think Ginkle's good. And is there a clear backup? Does Ginkle have any um, um, competition? I know they brought in Hector Rondon, which muddies it up a little bit, but that's yeah, you know what? The, he's actually been getting the heat um, from the, you know, fantasy baseball circles. The heat seems to be on him. So, hey, listen, man, that should not throw you off your work. You should just reap the benefits of, you know, Ginkle probably falling, right? Is he, have you noticed him fall? In the, in the, uh, not like, really. You actually, actually went in, like, in the 30-team auction last night, which is weird. Um, I don't wouldn't expect anyone to grab him. But, but converts, and you got, like, the Indians, which, like, you have good players that are backups, but they're going to – but they're expensive to get relative relative to other like Karinchik and Clays. They're expensive to acquire, and you don't know which one it's going to be. So that's a good yeah, example. Yeah. That's a good well, example yeah, of like know, it's hard it's really to tough. yeah, it's really tough. Like hand is still good, and he's going to be a closer probably regardless of where he pitches. But um, if anything happens to him, you really have no recourse. And yeah, know. I got burned. I got burned in my last draft. Um, somebody beat me back to Michael Feliz, who he checks all the boxes that you just mentioned. So I guess I didn't value him high enough. You know, he's got filth. 
Yeah, you know what, Michael, Michael Feliz, I don't think, I think me and you are the only ones who might have been in on him, but I, when I've, I've been getting Kella, and I'm, I, I, I've, I've talked to Mike Curlin on my show, on the show, and he's, he's all in on, on Crick. He's like, I think he's a good value for... But if he's going to jump Felice, I'm not ready to go there yet. He might be right, but I'm not ready to go. I well, think it's Felice... In the he summer. was on him because he's on roster resource for a while, but I think Felice, like, if you look at, like, if you look at Felice's second half... Yeah, no, I, 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 that's why I think I wouldn't be surprised if he won the job outright. That's what I was worried about. And somebody beat me back to him. So again, this is another gray area. I wish I had like this objective rule. This is when you take it. I thought I could get him like in 40, in round 48, but no, I'm like, somebody took him. It wasn't you because you weren't in this draft, but somebody, somebody took him like in their early round forties. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think he went earlier than that in my last one. And you, that's when those are really, really deflating for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those are really deflating. I'm like, if you can't tell, dude, I'm like so passionate. I'm so intense that I, maybe that's why I'm so regimented in my preparation because I don't want to let that intensity, you know, disturb my, my focus and, and throw off my decision-making process because that pisses you off. Oh man, it pisses you off, you know, and you can't play pissed off. You have to play calm, but yeah, getting sniped on those guys is something you really, you know, Zach, I, I, I hope, People stress what you were just talking about. Weighing that backup reliever is a big deal in these overall competitions with no additions. It's uh, a really big deal. Yeah. But it's I almost, just never thought also some people just throw darts. Sort of, sorry, what's that? Like some people just kind of throw darts and like, so I'm not going to take Lugo on the Mets if I have no other properties in that Monopoly, I feel like. I think that's a great analogy. Yeah, I, I just not going to go there. But but the Mets are a good monopoly to build. They're also kind of expensive. People want Pitances. People want Lugo. There's a lot of production there. I think if you have those three guys, I think you're going to get the forty plus saves that come from the organization. Yeah. But it's you're paying for them, you know, and you're passing on other stuff. So it come. That's where I was saying the third piece. If it's two pieces, I think I can argue paying up for two pieces. I don't think I could pay. For pay up for three pieces you know what i mean that's when it really becomes difficult because at that third pay up i think you've really hampered what's going on what else you have going on yeah i think i'd want to aim for like your um kentucky avenue the red ones see my the monopoly thing is sticking you know yeah. what's funny i i thought about that specifically when i drafted static and i said somebody's got to buy Baltic Avenue. I think we could do a whole podcast and just ranking closer situations on the Monopoly board. By the Monopoly. Dude, that might be really, really good. Like if there's only only two of them, like who, like who are the best, like two closers? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, I I was going to think it the other way where Miami is actually not the purple. Miami has got to become the light. Mediterranean. Miami's Mediterranean. It's like the first one. Baltic and Mediterranean. Right, Baltic and Mediterranean. Where the houses houses are like 50 bucks. But that's got to be the Orioles because Stanek is better than anybody the Orioles have. So I would put the, they would be on the blue one. That's like Connecticut Avenue and uh, Vermont or whatever. Yeah. Right. So I think there's actually probably a really good, you could probably do the board with the American and national league. It actually might be. Well, I think the the dark purple, the first one. Who's the, who's the, it's like Kinsler and Stanek. But on the Orioles, Orioles would be the Connecticut Vermont because they have, they have Hunter Harvey. They have. um, What about Perez? You don't like Perez. I think Stanek and Perez puts the, the, the the Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. You know what? I'm but wrong. it's close. I'm, I mean, we're talking about no, which. I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. No, no, no. I don't want to. I hate doing that. It's, it's subjective. But no, no, we are talking wrong. about no, which it's, shit. It's not subjective. It's you know, objective. 
well, which shit stinks the least? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, all right. You always got okay, so who's, who's boardwalk and park? Stinks. But, but you asked a good one. I, I see it shows how geared I am towards deeper, uh, deeper trains of thought, like not trains of thought, deeper, my trains of thought gearing towards deeper draft boards because I was thinking about the shittiest ones first when what are the best ones man you know okay, what I think I think dark green is definitely Cleveland so you got hand Karunchek and Clay so that's your Pennsylvania North Carolina. now what about where's, where's the boardwalk is it is it as oh. easy as is it as easy as the Yankees or is that one the Dodgers because it's Jensen and training and that's pretty much it right no. I think we know if something happens to Jensen training should pretty much slide right into a Solid was shit last year. At least it's, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think. It, I think you need something. Boardwalk and Park Place has to be foolproof. I, okay. All right. Okay, man, it, I like is, that. Is, is Boardwalk and Park Place Hater and Knebel? Ooh, damn! That's better than my Yankees, isn't it? Or do you I think, think my so, Yankees can bump back? Only, who else is there? Can it's, I bump it, back the Indians because the Yankees have a three piece? Also, Indian, Indians are a three piece. I think Boardwalk and Park Place are Hater and Knebel because a Knebel is going to be pretty cheap to get, or he is. He's getting up there though, but there's only two of them. No, that's a good one. No, you're right. That's a good one. But then I think I want the green spaces. I want the Yankees, right? I got Chapman, Britain, and Adovino. That's a pretty solid three. Although that three, I think, is on par with the Indians. If we are really talking, yeah, about some the Yankees, of them. The Yankees maybe, have a win context. Though, maybe right? Chap. Maybe Chapman's Marvin Gardens. <laughs> Man, <laughs> this monopoly thing is getting a lot. It's actually making more sense than I thought when I had just kind of thrown that egg on a pan. Yeah, it is. Are we missing any big – It's not a sizzle, man. Now I'm getting hungry, you know? Oh, maybe – well, fuck. Well, you know, it's not even the only place I thought of it um, that I applied it, I should say, is – you know, it actually applies to a couple outfields. We mentioned one before with the Rockies. You know, I have best ball teams that have Hilliard, Tapia, and Desmond, and like Brendan Rodgers. Like, I literally just collected – all those cheap Rockies pieces, hoping for big. The, the Rockies are like the railway, like B and O short line. I, I mean, I I really hate I really hate the way they use that team. I don't like to assume to be smarter than you know GMs that have supercomputers and multi multi millions and millions and millions of dollars behind their decision making process. Oh, breaking! Look, what's news, going break. on? They seem to stunt the best play. They have really great, exciting young talent. They bring them up to block them. Breaking they news. Need a, Breaking news. They and miss on big free agents. That's the guy that plays. I'm like, I don't get it. Breaking news. The Rockies have acquired Brian Dozier and Jason Kipnis. I, part of me wants you to tell me <laughs> you're kidding and I don't even know. Like, they're so bad that it's impossible to know if you're kidding or not. No, no, seri- no but in serious, um, uh, the Diamondbacks have, acquired, have agreed to acquire outfield Starling Marte from the Pirates. Okay, so you – wow, that's uh, – Marte people. will slide into center field with the new club while Kettle Marte will move back to second base. Yeah, you know what? I think that's good for uh, Marte because that, that, that like, outfield is already fucked up because they had well that Rojas guys is the Rojas guys screwed. Yeah, well he always looked like he he looked like he'd been getting bumped out anyway. Yeah, and a lot of people were really excited for him, including myself. I, I'm surprised, but you know if you're bringing in Marte, he's a he's a pretty solid player. That's a good place um, for stolen bases too. That's yeah, his, well he as a fantasy asset, um, I know he's very popular. If you you know into bat flip, he's big on Arte and with very good reason, you know, consistent, you're getting across the board production. I kind of worry about the health at times and the price you're going, but when you weigh steals, it makes sense. Um, I guess it's probably a bump for 
Marte, right? I guess the, yeah. the Diamondbacks is a better lineup than the uh, Pittsburgh. I'd have to have people smarter than me jam the park factor stuff, you know, and like because now people are so specific about directionality and stuff that I, I really like to get but into. Here, I, like to th- I like to think outside the box immediately. I don't care about Marte because whatever. I want to where, – where is the fallback in Pittsburgh? Who well, that, I see it's funny. I said Marte, forgetting they both Marte. Um, don't you think? I think this is a boost for your kettle Marte shares. If we're in regards to steals, um, you know, I think, and I was alluding to it being injury related for me tracking him. Maybe I should go back and, and validate that um, with with the proof. But if it is injuries that are tied to his steals, I think he's more likely to get to 100% playing second base. Right? It's a little less strenuous on, you know, there's a little less sprinting in, in the outfield. So I think that's good for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I would actually I like, like to look up if he stole more bases as a second baseman. I don't know how much I really put into that. That's, but great, for, that's great for his dynasty stock too, because he's going to maintain that position eligibility. I yeah. Know, right. I know, that's, you, I know that's really relevant for this. Yeah. Uh, listen, second base, second base is, is, is not deep this year. And I think you need, I think you need somebody good. Because there's like a huge drop off. I found this this year. I well, he already of, had he already had the second base eligibility. Yeah, but um, this year I guess it would have been possible he might have lost it right going into next year. Well, yeah, that's true. So, so uh, Pirates, do you think this? Um, what about uh, Jared Oliva? And I don't know. Now we're crunching the back end of the Diamondbacks. Things are getting bad. No, no, no. This is Pirates. Pirates. Um, oh, the Pirate, oh, Pirates. Pirates minor league system. Who's, who's who, the Pirate who, player everyone's been clamoring for? Um, Jared Oliva in the minors? No, he's a th- – oh, no, he's an infielder. Cabri- right, Cabrian Hayes or something like that? Oh, uh, maybe. He's there's a a young, I know there's a youngster that people – What about – um, what's his name? The guy people that, have been yeah. absolutely clamoring for. Will, Will, Will Craig is up there, is there. Um, maybe he's in the minors or something. See, I mean, I, it goes to show, you know, as much as preparation that I do, you know, there's still there's still oh, here's, here's, organizations here's that slip through the crack. I'm going right to the roster resource. Pipe. Right to the resource. Well, listen, that's why people use it, right? They're up. They're, they're excellent at what they do. Gosh, I don't think I could name a single guy I want in that spot. Jose Osuna, Eric Gonzalez. There's one guy that – one guy that – Joe Gentile. He's right for fake teams. He's always all over this this one guy that's – Probably still in the minor leagues. Pablo Reyes. Oh, uh, okay. Familiar. But again, I don't really know. You know, he, he, he like I said, I feel bad. Done. I always feel bad getting caught in a blind spot, but I do like it because it helps me keep my game sharp. And I'm learning from this conversation I've had with you today, specifically if I plan to improve. You know, people listen to us to improve, but I listen to you to improve. I listen to myself to improve. I, I got I to gotta do some – I'm going to go do another once around these really bad teams, the back end of these lineups. Yeah. But, how attractive is the, the seven-hole hitter on the Pirates? Eh, not, it's not at too, bats, not, though. Not you know, hot. listen, like we said before, if it's round 48 and you need at bats and you need plate appearances and a guy has a skill set, he's shown in the minors. Well, you just drafted the, the, the seven-hole hitter, seven hitter in the 13th round of our draft. Kevin Newman. He's well, so, I was hoping <laughs> that he was going to be closer to the top. I was hoping he was going to be closer to the top. The the Pirates used a bunch of different lineups, and I'm hoping he just shifts his way up. But I, man, I think I he will. Desperate. I think I think he's going to draw. I think he'll hit. Uh, he'll he'll um, usurp Adam Frazier. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna depend. I actually also thought they were going to want a righty at the top. Because, you know, listen, Mar- you know, Mar- now Marte's moved on. It looks like they have – I see Reynolds at two, Polanco three, Bell four. So the only spot for Newman is going to be to have to supplant Frazier at the one. If not, maybe he, you know, he can move up 
and take Moran, Colin Moran is not really scaring anybody. So if Newman shows that he can keep the average up, maybe they're going to want to move Bell around in front of him. But yeah, I know, I know, no, I know, I know. But there is all also right. a difference between six and seven and eight as whatever. It's all terrible. The Pirates suck, man. All right, I think we're gonna. I think we're. Gonna, I think on that note, we're gonna probably wrap it up. Yeah, uh, I'm, we're out, man. I'm out of info. I got nothing left, man. I'm done. I'm out. I'm tapped. I'm tapped. Um, I'm tapped. I'm tapped. I'm Got to get back to work. Uh, real work. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about? Anything that anything that's like yeah, I would say, man, this has been awesome, and I don't even feel like me and you scratched the surface of everything I, we were trying to get to um, beforehand. I would just say, you know, listen, thanks to everybody. Uh, for listening. I love this podcast. I am like flattered to be on it. Uh, personally, I'm not really sure that I belong uh, up there on the Mount Rushmore with the guys who've been here already, but um, thank you for the infight. And anybody, please get at me on the internet because that's how we get better. It's how I get sharper. I don't come from authority. I don't argue from authority. If anything, I'm the other way. I'll take people with 50 followers and treat them as the authority because it keeps me sharp. So, you know, get on the Twitter machine. I'm at MLB Moving Averages, man. Well, Johnny, I really appreciate you coming on and talking for a long time. And you know what? You do belong on the Mount, the Mount Rushmore. Um, I think you're one, you bring the most energy, one of the most ener- you're one of the most energetic people about fantasy baseball and the sport. And I think you're super smart. Um, I think everything, everything that you, that you bring up is super, um, super important and um, makes me think and makes me think outside the box, which is what well, that's what we're here for. If I could just, and that's why, that's, that's why, that's why I right, have, we're here um, to think, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. You really, you're, you're, you're melting my heart, man. I appreciate that. That's what we're here for. Challenge me. I'll challenge you. And while we're, you know, messing it up like Heathcliff, you see that ball of smoke. Hopefully we both come out on the other end, smarter and better players. Hopefully we both win overall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, how about this? You take the road of wire. I'll take the draft. Champions, uh, and then, I'll, I'll take that for sure. I think yeah, yeah, listen. Like I said, I'm a philanthropic guy, man. You yeah. can have the bigger overall. I want to see you move forward. I'm not the type of person. I don't want to outshine anybody. I'm just going to get mine, and I'm going to keep working with my head down until I get it, man. But if I, I can have the roto wire. You can have the DC. Yes, what a guy! All right, I'm going to just let Greg know that it's already, you know, it's already decided. Uh, so people signing up, I wouldn't even bother. No, yeah, don't don't sign up for NFBC. Right, I just won. I won it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, buddy. <laughs> my my pleasure, man. All right. Talk to you later.